Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. This summer, we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new Nissan. We invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views, premium seats in all rows, and connected tech, while avoiding baggage fees, layovers, and neck pillows. So fasten your seatbelts and enjoy non-stop routes to summer, because the best way to travel this season is in a new Nissan. And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to $3,500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, $3,500 on 2020 Rogue consists of $3,000 cash back and $500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 7 6 Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Guys don't talk to guys about guy problems. Gary Hoffman. Each other on the shoulders. Shannon Farron. Yeah, that woman's about as subtle as a rhinoceros horn at the backside. Gary and Shannon. Oh Lord, I'm here and I'm listening. Cause I wanna go back to the days in the past when everything was easy. But I'm holding you close and I'm letting you go cause baby you're the reason. How do I turn this on? Oh, it's on. How about how to turn this one on? Oh, you sound a little uh, echoey. Different? Yeah, a little different. No, no. No, it sounds it better. Yeah, a little bit. How about now? If you could lower your voice a little bit, I feel like. Oh, no. Yeah, that's good. some of the highs? (laughs) (laughs) Damn, Dow. You're looking good. Uh, What's... Is this... What about that one? Is that one on? (laughs) (laughs) They're all on, man. Are you sure? (laughs) Um, How... How about that, Dow? Looking good. Damn good. Up nearly 9%. So that's good. That's good news. Well, there's all kinds of good news. There's good things coming out, right? I mean, there's good stuff happening. At like some what? Point. Like, there is an exit strategy through, for all of this. There is. There is. Uh, the president certainly wants that exit strategy to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, and he's, there are some health experts that are not happy with his optimism. No, but I think he's right in terms of you've got to have that conversation. There has to be some amount of talk about what does it look like on the other side of all of this. And sure. Is it a is it a one day thing? Is it you just say okay Monday everything's back open and ready to go if you've survived Listen, this far? You hear that? Airplane? It's a truck. Sure? It's a truck driving by. Yeah, it's not an airplane. These mics are strong. They're picking up everything. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I you just can't rush. You can, you can talk about what it's going to happen and what what it's going to look like on the other side, but I think rushing means uh, killing people. Right. Well, it's one. It's <laughs> I've seen this described as the old trolley um, mental exercise when it comes to like a philosophy class, where you have an out of control trolley and you've got one person who's going to die over here and you've got four people who are going to die over here and you you get to decide which track this trolley goes on basically right yeah so you let this thing play out you don't do social distancing you don't do anything to shut down businesses and you're going to lose people right away we know that or it, or you go down a, a, an uncertain economic turmoil that we know we're putting ourselves into uh with some sort of greener grass on the other side and then figure out that may end up killing people. Much slower process, of course. Companies do this cost-benefit analysis all the time, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, just look no further than the airlines. 
uh, and, and and the Max uh, 737, right? Right. I mean, this happens all the time. Here's the difference. Uh, the president, I think, should be optimistic, and I think he should convey a message of optimism in terms of we're going to be okay. It's it's not going to last that long and, and be that strong, calming voice. But on the other hand, realistically, he's got to know, and I don't know where he stands on this, but he's got to know that you can't rush it through. Well, one of the people who's suggesting that this may be very bad, Margaret Harris is the spokeswoman for the uh, World Health Organization, and referred to the numbers coming out of the United States in terms of our new confirmed cases and whether the United States could become the new epicenter for coronavirus. And what she said is, we are seeing a very large acceleration in cases in the U.S., so it does have that potential. But part of it is because of our population. When you right. compare our population to a place like Spain or Germany or Italy, who've been ravaged by this, we are going to have more cases than they are. And because we're stepping up testing, we're going to see more cases in the next week or two or three. They're going to go up exponentially, continue to. Italy has nearly twice the number of deaths that China did at more than 6,000. And what we're seeing here is that in terms of, a, of an overall shutdown, there are just 15 states that are in various forms of lockdown. They say that the peak is yet to come and that the current state of crisis will last for another several months at least, according to the health officials. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what they mean by crisis, because if you look at some of the, the largest... Uh, the, the largest venues, perhaps, for cross-contamination or for people to infect each other when it comes to 30,000 people at a baseball stadium or 20,000 people at an NBA playoff game, those types of things have been shut down. And to the point where we're not gathering in groups of more than 10 people, uh, you know, for, for any reason anymore. At least that I... Yes, you can say that you're going to the beaches, uh, that beaches and parks and hiking trails should be shut down, but you're never hanging around anybody long enough to actually potentially get infected by any of them, unless you were, I don't know, holding hands with strangers as you're walking down the hiking trail. Tom Inglesby is a director at the John Hopkins Center for Health Security, and he warned that this will spread widely, rapidly, terribly, and millions could die if the lockdowns are lifted early. It's, it's an excellent point. I mean, he makes perfect sense by, when he says that. Let me ask this question, though, and it was actually, uh, I, I credit Chris Ancarlo, who was covering the LA Unified shutdown yesterday and asked this question regarding what's the best number for us to have an idea of what's going on with this epidemic. And he referred to LA County in a tweet that I will retweet in just a second here. He referred to uh, LA County reporting the number of people who have been put in the hospital and that that is a better idea of how quickly this thing is spreading. Because for those people who are asymptomatic or have minor symptoms who never get tested, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around how many thousands of people could potentially have it right now and just simply not know about it. The people who are being put into the hospital because of complications from this may be a better number to follow because that's the thing that we've talked about forever, which is the strain on the healthcare system, the strain on the number of intensive care unit beds that are available, that's where all of this is going to, that, that's where the uh, choke point is going to be when it comes to getting care to the people who need it. Right. So he said, I mean, as of this point, from yesterday, this was yesterday's tweet from, which would have been Sunday to Monday, we saw six more hospitalizations. That's not very many. 
the problem is it's going to get more, when we see more people tested, more people test positive, more people have these severe complications, that's when we're going to see this thing peak, which is still a couple of weeks away, at, the, at best, a couple of weeks away. Well, we are still learning lessons from the Diamond Princess cruise ship. It looks like this thing is lasting on surfaces a lot longer than we first thought. That's not good. Yeah, we'll talk about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The UK government has just asked for 250,000 volunteers to help its health service cope with the outbreak. The health secretary over there said the final uh, final year medical students and student nurses would be moved to the National Health Service's front line. And they are opening a temporary hospital, too, which would have two wards of 2,000 people. But they're looking for a quarter of a million volunteers, people in good health, to help the, the health service there for shopping, delivery of meds to support people that are shut, shut in, I guess. I mean, they've ordered everything stopped. Uh, Governor Cuomo of New York says that the the state of New York is going to need 30,000 ventilators. He has asked the federal government to help. The other headline we saw today was that the Olympics officially postponed. We heard about that yesterday from the American uh, Olympic Committee member Dick Pound. And now the International Olympic Committee has uh, made it official that they will postpone the 2020 Olympics scheduled for Japan. And then at the bottom of the air, we'll talk more about this. It looks like the Senate today is going to vote on a stimulus package. And, man, it... This should give you, listen, there's reason to be happy about this. There's reason to be optimistic, but it should also piss you off that the amount of pork that goes into a situation, into a bill like this, in this situation, is astounding. Well, the Diamond Princess cruise ship, let's revisit it, shall we? It looks like traces of the coronavirus were found in the cabins on that cruise ship up to 17 days after passengers left. Now, the reason that that matters is because we are finding out that the virus lives a long time on those hard surfaces. So when you think about reopening bars, restaurants, and gyms while the virus is still spreading pretty quickly, that's going to be postponed even more. As per the CDC, they said, although these data cannot be used to determine whether transmission occurred from these contaminated surfaces... Further study of fomite transmission of SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 aboard cruise ships is warranted. Fomite is an, uh, considered an inanimate object that, when contaminated, can transfer to a new host. You're welcome. Um, so the idea that this is uh, 17 days, I, I've, I, these studies that have come out and said this, you know, that it can live for eight days or nine days or 17 days now on this uh, hard surfaces... These are a one-time study, and as much as everybody's grasping for straws and trying to find the right information about this, a lot of times when we see these wildly outstanding numbers like this outside the norm, that's exactly what they are. They're wildly outside the normal. So, so this may not be the actual lifespan of the virus on a hard surface, but for some reason this study came up with that. Now, somewhere, hopefully it's not 17 days because that – wildly changes the the talk of how long quarantine should be, how long businesses need to stay closed if they've been infected, that sort of thing. They said 46.5% of the cases from the Diamond Princess were asymptomatic when tested. So that explains the high attack rate among the cruise ship passengers and the crew. It looked like 
the virus uh, got about 19 percent of those on board. The um, the important part about that, you, you refer to it as asymptomatic. There was an infectious disease professor, an epidemiologist, Tara Smith, who took a look at this study and noted in a Twitter thread that was a response to this that this asymptomatic number was given at the time of testing, which means, uh, like, they tested everybody. Some of the people who didn't have any symptoms ended up testing positive, but they didn't follow up on that, and they didn't say those people who did test positive, who at the time didn't have any symptoms, they didn't say, did they eventually develop symptoms? And that's a harder thing. That may be a better version of how it is we figure out just how widespread this thing is. So many possibly still in the incubation period um, is, is what she said. In the discussion, they said this, available statistical models of the Diamond Princess outbreak suggested that almost 18% of the affected, infected persons, I should say, never developed symptoms at all. So based on the models, and not the half of those tested were asymptomatic that she's seen reported. Imagine that. Imagine if we're talking about, you know, we've said reportedly 80% of the people who come down with COVID-19 don't have symptoms or have very mild symptoms. And if you have, uh, those are the people who've, who've been tested. Imagine the people who never have symptoms, who have no reason to believe that they've got this thing, and are still giving it around, you know, passing it off, transmitting it. That's why, these, that's why Dr. Barbara Ferrer said last week, you have to imagine that you have it, and that the people that you're with have Stop looking at me like that. (laughs) Um, So we've been so bombarded with coronavirus and what does it all mean and and keeping score and count that we've kind of forgotten about what was one of the first stories to come out of this, which was the cruise industry, right? You would imagine we would have a bunch of stories about cruise ships and people being affected and the numbers of people that are infected because – Imagine how many cruise ships were out there when this thing hit. Now, Global Cruise Lines have announced they'd suspend operations for at least 30 days. They made that announcement about 10 days ago. Um, Ports around the world are closed to cruise traffic. So several are stranded at sea with no solution. Um, As of Friday night, according to Cruise Lines International Association, 30 ships were still completing their trips. And are just kind of in limbo. Uh, The Norwegian Jewel was turned away from ports in New Zealand, Fiji, and Hawaii. And they're finally allowing its passengers off, 2,000 passengers in Hawaii, apparently. They're working with the cruise line. Hawaii, the government is as well. But... I mean, people are stranded on these things. Isn't it, was that what Sam Rubin was doing earlier today? Oh, there was something about him. Uh, he must have been stuck, stuck on a at, cruise. Yeah, stuck at sea somewhere, and I don't know if that's... I would go so nuts. I would go so nuts because by the end of a cruise, you're dying to get off that thing. Yeah, I mean, because no matter how many ports you have or whatever, the days at sea they really stack up. And you can go crazy, especially if there's no, you know, bingo to play or, uh, you know, going out and having cocktails or whatever. You're just kind of stuck in your cabin, isolated. Uh, That is a tough go. 
Sam Rubin, this is according to the KTLA Instagram page. Sam Rubin left weeks ago for a cruise to Antarctica. Oh, boy. And he has been stranded off of the coast of Argentina. we got to let John Cobalt know. He'd get a kick out of that. <laughs> As a result of that. <laughs> Could you... Uh, now, I, I know that they can resupply and yes. resupply these ships almost indefinitely. Yeah. Um, so it's not as if they're at risk of running out of food and ended up eating the weaker passengers or anything like that. No. Uh, it's, it's not that kind of a disaster movie, but I suppose that's a... <laughs> even, even if he left a few weeks ago for a cruise... It was remember it was the middle of February when we read when we figured out that the Diamond Princess was going to be stuck in Yokohama, Japan for some time, because of the threat of coronavirus. So this is uh, it's too bad for Sam. Uh, when we come back though, we are going to be talking about the stimulus package that's being worked on in the Senate right now. Why Nancy Pelosi got involved with it? Why there's so many things that have been added to this, and not just a straightforward stimulus bill? It makes me crazy. Well, they say it's within the five yard line, so we'll break it down when we come back. Gary, Gary Jenner, mm-hmm. that, that's us. We'll yeah. continue. I spent ten thousand hours, ten thousand more. Oh, if that's what it takes to learn that sweetheart of yours, and I might never get there, but I'm Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app on this Tuesday. It's uh, March 24th. Of course, coronavirus continues to be the big story today. The U.S. cases confirmed number of cases is up over 46,000. Here in California, we're dealing with 2,200 cases. And in L.A. County, 536. At about 1230 today, as we have for the last several days, we'll get an update from Los Angeles County officials about the latest going on locally. Well, stocks around the world have rallied today because there are expectations that Congress is very close to a deal to pump nearly $2 trillion of aid into the economy, which is just limping along the Dow right now, up 1,627, nearly 9%. Now, we have seen rebounds like this before that have just washed out immediately. Since the market began selling off February uh, 20th, the S&P 500 has had six days where it's risen, and then all of, uh, but one of them were big gains of more than 4%. But after every one of them, stocks fell again the next day. So it is good news. It is something to be optimistic about, but it, it may not last. We'll see what this deal, uh, what this, this deal results in. Uh, Stock-wise, this line I, I thought of last night, or I saw it last night, and I thought about it all day. Investors say they need to see the number of new infections peak before any market is going to find a bottom. Think about that. I mean, we've, we're still weeks away from figuring out what a peak looks like and whether or not we're doing anything to flatten the curve throughout the United States. Um, now, in terms of what's in this plan, $2 trillion economic rescue package that would give a lot of direct payments to most ever, I think it's 95% of Americans. I believe if you make less than $99,000 a year, you would be getting a check. And it will depend on the size of your family as well. These one-time rebates, they said, would be about $1,200 per person. If you work out the kids that are in there as well, if you have a, a, a husband, wife, or t- you can't say that anymore, I guess, a husband. A partner. If you have a family of four, it's going to work out to something like $3,000. But that, on top of expanded unemployment benefits, 
$350 billion program for small businesses to keep making payroll while workers are forced to stay at home, especially when it comes to restaurants and other businesses like that. A point of contention has been the larger industries. $500 billion for guaranteed loans to larger industries. And here's my question with this, and I know that the Democrats want to fo focus more on small businesses, and they should absolutely be the, the big focus. But there are companies that rake in a lot of money that have also been grounded to a halt. Large industries, you know? You think about... Uh, people too. I said $99,000 I think is where you uh, where those you won't get one if you make more. Well, you look at some certain chefs that usually make maybe $150,000 a year, but they're not making that anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like some some businesses have 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 gone on, you know, just just fine status quo. But there are people that were making more than $99,000 a year that now make nothing. And, and they're going to be ones uh, – we talked before about this, um, the, uh, the impact of the health issue is very different than the impact from the economic issue. That's part of what I think the president has been grappling with, obviously, when he's talking about making March 30th the, uh, the, the end of a shutdown, which is ridiculous. But he's grappling with this idea, is it going to be more painful to lose people – or is it going to be more painful to be in a drawn-out depression that we that we then could potentially lose people for other reasons, not coronavirus? And I, 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 don't, I just I hate th that calculus. I mean, I hate the idea that those are the two I things. I don't think that you have they to... are, though. I mean, I think that this economy will come roaring back. I agree. Roaring back once this is done, and I just think that everything needs to shut down and just contain this because it's almost. It's almost criminal to put the economy over millions of lives because it will be probably millions. If, if, if we jump out of this too quickly, that's, that's a huge cost. Right, and we're going to strain the hospitals and the healthcare system that, that we've talked about before, specifically when it comes to respirators and, uh, and uh, our breathing apparatus that we need so desperately. The, Nancy Pelosi got involved in this. She, at one point, over the last 48, 72 hours, put together her own proposal in this and then sort of pulled back on it. But she was p trying to play this off as saying Democrats needed to have some sort of leverage. And the longer they went, the longer that they put up a fight against the Republican-sponsored bill and the Republican-written bill, for the most part, she felt like they had the leverage. I don't know how much they got out of that, how much she was able to change the calculus over what was going on in the Senate, but it was enough that everybody seems to have kind of figured out what it is that they're going to do. Now, the president himself has been what I found uh, unique, unusually hands-off on all of this, at least in public he has. He did say last night that Congress should vote for the Senate bill as written. He dismissed any of the Democratic proposals and said this is not the time for political agendas. Um, the the issue of, I guess, the size and the scope of this is also ridiculous because and ridiculous only that it's it's too large for any of us to really wrap our heads around. Two trillion dollars is is an amazing amount of money. It would be larger than the the 2008 bank bailout. It would be larger than the 2009 Recovery Act, and in fact, larger than both of those things combined together. 
The president has not used his authority to compel the private sector to mani uh, manufacture medical supplies like masks and ventilators, saying we are not a country based on nationalizing our business. Uh, Joe Biden has gone after him for that, saying Trump keeps saying he's a wartime president. We'll start acting like one. I uh, have seen a few of the things that some senators and uh, members of Congress have tried to put in this bill as well, pork that has absolutely nothing to do with economic recovery. For example, one of the suggestions, I'm not sure if it's in the final version of it, but one of the suggestions is that any corporation that wants to get bailout money from the federal government must have a diversity officer as an employee. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. That they must set up a specific position for a diversity a diversity captain or chart, whatever that is, in order to get financial help from the government. The other thing is they're trying to put in things like same-day voter registration. They want to require that. that. What does that they have to also, do with this? Uh, let's see. Uh, they want to eliminate the debt held by the Postal Service. They want to pay off $10,000 in student debt per person. They want to mandate that airlines reduce their overall carbon emissions by 50%. Okay, now that Should alone... Just take care of our people <laughs> for... Go ahead. Let's say I it. I can't say it. The thing is, people are not going to pay attention to this. They're going to get their $1,200 check, and they're going to say, thank you, Dr. Mitch, or thank you, Miss Nancy, and then they're going to go on their ways, and they're never going to pay attention to this again. They're not going to look into the details of how absolutely crappy and self-serving some of these members of Congress are. We're just going to vote for them again. Pelosi's bill would allocate $35 million to the John F. Kennedy Center for Performing Arts. For Christ's sake. Seriously. We're, we're, we're thinking about the arts right now? That's, People are freaking dying and they can't get into the hospitals and we need the masks and we need the ventilators and everything. And you're thinking about the arts and what you can get for the arts program? Holy hell. Well, now you're going to make the people mad. Well, I mean, the, people should be mad. Just get it together. It, it's this, can't the, they just for once leave the pork out of it and no. just... Do their freaking they're, job? They're addicted to that. Good There's Lord. There's 535 members of Bunch Congress, of and they are addicted to putting these types of things in there just just to make themselves feel better. They, they do not care about the constituencies. They do not care about the people who have elected them into Congress. It's, and it's this is the perhaps the best example of exactly what's wrong with people that, that serve lifetimes in the House and Senate. I wish we could just have the private sector and the people that have been successful, you know, Jeff Bezos of the world, and put them in charge of this. Because the government in charge of this is terrifying. It, and it's getting worse. I mean, in, in the deeper we get into the situation without a stimulus package, without specific guidance necessarily from the federal government or even state government levels, it, we're getting frustrated. And, and you're seeing people act out and lash out. Uh, thankfully, it hasn't been in uh, public situations so far, but it, it's uh, it's terrifying to a lot of people. Wait, okay, <clears throat> let's talk about some good things. Let's talk about the light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, I don't even know if we see it yet, but we know it's there. We right? do. We do it's know that there is it's definitely there. We are, like I said, I, I firmly believe we're going to come roaring back from this. It's just we got to hunker down for the time being. All right, we'll talk about sort of the exit strategy. What health uh, health experts have been saying about a, a possible exit strategy when it comes to all of this. Gary and Shannon will continue. That's all right. We don't need it. Yeah.
Was this the remix, Jacob? Is Bumper Schmumper. It's like the 12-inch club remix or something. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, <laughs> live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Yeah, they used to play it on records, and it was a 12-inch record, and they'd remix it. So we're broadcasting yeah, this is the remix. from this is the, uh, remix. the tower, we and are. we have found some old-timey stuff. It's very fun. Like that drill press back there. <laughs> you didn't even know what that was. I didn't know what that was, but now I do. The president, I don't know what they're doing with it, but it's a drill press. Uh, the, I don't know what they're doing with it. I don't know what a drill press is. Um, the, pre- <laughs> the president had a virtual town hall this afternoon from the White House Rose Garden, and during this, he said he would love to have the country opened up by Easter. He said, it's such an important day for other reasons, but I will make it an important day for this. I would love to have the country opened up. And I don't know if you know, there was a really big thing that happened on Easter. There was that one guy. You know him. He's a big guy. Everybody knows him. Well, listen, thematically, I think that's a great goal to have. Here's, I think a goal is good, but here's where we get into problems with the line of thought here. He went on to say... We lose thousands of people a year to the flu. We never turn the country off. We lose much more than that to automobile accidents. We didn't call up the automobile companies and say, stop making cars. We don't want any cars anymore. We have to get back to work. Okay, yes. Now, the problem is if we see the numbers of people killed by coronavirus surpass the seasonal flu, if we get up in the... 30,000, 50,000 people that are lost range, which is not a wild thing to assume. Does that argument go away? Do they stop saying that? Do they stop saying, well, it's just, you know, it's a normal flu. It's just a flu, flu, flu. He went on to say, you're going to lose more people by putting a country into a massive recession or depression. You're going to lose people. You're going to have suicides by the thousands. Really? Yes. Okay. I'm just telling you what was said. Well, how do we figure out what the exit strategy is? Uh, a guy named Eric Fagelding. Stop laughing. Eric Fagelding is a global health economist at the Harvard Chan School of Public Health, and he says we're in this for a long haul, at least for another month or two. This is not disappearing in the next three weeks, no matter how much we want to compare it to what happened in the Wuhan area of China. We can handle it for another month or two. We can. The, the, the alternative is not an option. Why? Uh, here's the thing. I completely agree with you. Why are people so virulently against that idea? Uh, now, I'll say this, and I came to this conclusion earlier today. Our lives, I mean, you and I, our lives haven't changed because we're still driving to work every day. Right. I mean, they're, they're still that. We're still doing this. And there are people that are out of work, and I get that. But the idea that you would have to go back to work because financially I understand it, but the mental thing I don't get. The idea that you couldn't just relax for a while. I I know that being shut in your house, being told to stay in your house is different than you choosing to stay in your house. But there's got to be a larger sense of I'm doing this as a duty to other people. Exactly. We want to come out on the right side of history and freaking out that the strongest economy in the world can't handle two months of a shutdown is ridiculous. We can handle it. Well, the president says repeatedly, you know, there is so much pent up um, uh, economic energy, I guess, waiting for from from this United from the United States, from our consumers. I don't know about pent up, but we do have the ability to whip right back into shape, hopefully, when this thing closes 
its doors. The it's other not thing like is, everyone stopped buying things. People are still shopping online. Well, we can't imagine that it's going to, you know, the president, even if he says he wants to get things back up and running by Easter, Sunday, April 12th, it's not going to be one of those things where he makes a declaration from the White House Rose Garden right. and then business is open at 9 o'clock on Monday morning. It's going to be a thing where he is hopefully smart enough to realize he's got to leave it up to these individual governors and uh, mayors and county councils. Truly, that's who it's up to. Because, well, he's and he up to this point has left it up to the governors to do that, to make those decisions based on where they are. Yeah. So he, I'm hoping he does that as well and then allows them to say, we're going to lift restrictions on uh, small businesses, we're going to let them reopen. Restaurants as well, we're going to reopen, but maybe with 50% seating capacity or something like that, so that we keep in mind the importance of what is social distancing, because that's going to be with us for a year. Social distancing and that, that horrible, lame word, that's going to be with us for an entire year at least, until we have an, a vaccine that is available widespread. Well, we heard from Andrew Cuomo that he thinks the peak in New York will be worse than anticipated, saying the apex is higher than we thought and the apex is sooner than we thought, and that the federal government is not sending enough equipment to combat the crisis, saying that they need in New York 30,000 ventilators. They have more than 25,000 confirmed virus cases, at least 210 deaths. And California, L.A. County is preparing for a surge as well. We can't get I'm away sorry, from that. Did you want better news? Yeah, I was kind of hoping for. I'm going to find some good news during the break. Kay? Well, there was a news story that ended up being a brutal murder that you were like, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome!" But it turned out that only was reason for private. I know, but it was only because <laughs> it was not anything that had to do with coronavirus. It was just a good old fashioned murder. So well, well, what? <laughs> We're not going to say what it is. No, no. I, that's why I'm keeping okay. it general, because I don't want to get okay. you in more trouble. God. You should be. What? You just outed me. You, I didn't say. I We're just telling said, secrets now? You should be ashamed. We talk about when uh, Nick spilled all the... Uh, oh, my gosh. The, you, the, Nick, need to call my wife and tell her what you did today. Oh, yeah. Actually, Nick did have a bit of an accident. I was talking about his grandpa's funeral. Oh, that. But, <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, we had an accident in the office today. Hold on when a I second. When I say we, I mean Nick. <laughs> I walked into a murder scene this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, what did you see when you walked into the office? Uh, I went to go leave the handle books, and I walked in, and I thought the uh, office was ransacked. Which makes a lot of sense. There was glass everywhere. Glass everywhere. Shattered glass? Yep. Shattered glass next to the scooter. Nick looks like a puppy that just wet the carpet and was not supposed to. <laughs> Bad Nick. Nick dropped the vase off the pulpit. No, I didn't drop it. I, I was leaving, and I shut the door, uh -huh. and I heard a sh uh, glass break, and I thought <laughs> I should open the door and see what happened. And I looked, and the jar, the lid to the candy jar fell off the pulpit and was shattered on the floor. And for a second, I stared at it and thought I should pick that up, but I was running late. And so I, I, I locked the door and said, I got to go, <laughs> but not before I texted you guys and said, hey, by the way, this broke. You know and, what? But we I forgot to tell Jacob, and then Jacob found it. And here's the thing: I'm gonna clean it up. Mm -hmm. I just we I had somewhere we had somewhere to be. Yeah. yeah, but what if somebody goes in there and and cuts themselves, and, and then and we're liable? Well, no one's gonna, who's gonna cut themselves? They're gonna sue you and take the, your house. The people who go in there and clean every <laughs> night. It's gonna get yeah. cleaned. Those I'm poor, gonna clean oh my it. god, those poor people that clean the office. You're gonna task them with that. People should be wearing shoes first of all. You're an animal. 
Let's I, post this picture. Judging. Okay. It All was right. an accident. We'll talk about what's going on locally, California-wise, with coronavirus. We come back to Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Did you see that uh, dinosaur parade? No. So there's a neighborhood in suburban Milwaukee where people dressed up in those inflatable dinosaur costumes okay and had like a parade and the people put the kids in the cars and the 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 dinosaurs are parading down the street and you can see the kids holding out signs saying i love dinos <laughs> it's very cute <laughs> Uh, you know, because you know, you can order those online. We gotta get a we gotta get a message to Steve uh, Gregory. He is the one who's been handling a lot of these local news conferences that have been going on. Yeah. Uh, ask questions of uh, local officials. I would love to know what their directives are when it comes to people driving around. Because I haven't seen, I, and we've had questions. People emailing us: Is it okay for me to drive somewhere? Yeah. You know, not to go get something outside of you know going to the grocery store, but to just go drive, just to get out of the house. And I don't know what they would say about that. Uh, I mean, I was I was speculating that they didn't want people getting into accidents. Right. But I people are driving a hundred miles boy. an you know hour. Why? Because There's they no can. CHP. There. Oh, that's the other thing. I, I have, haven't seen one in saw, my travels. I saw a sheriff's deputy this morning on the five freeway, but that was the first time I think I've seen a cop in three days. I mean, at least on the freeways. Right. Uh, I mean, I know they're out there. I just haven't seen any. Uh, so the big uh, updates that we've seen today, number one, we've seen some pretty huge numbers coming out of New York. They said that they had over 25,000 coronavirus cases. The rate of infections is, according to New York, doubling every three days. But it's important to remember those are the people who are testing positive. And even though they are doing thousands and thousands of tests a day in New York State, um, the, the percentage of people who are actually testing positive for coronavirus is still somewhere in that 12, 10 to 12 percent range. Um, the other thing is we found out officially the Olympics that were scheduled for Japan this summer have been postponed. They'll likely be done next year. And then uh, we'll follow the story, but negotiators are expecting some sort of a deal today on the emergency package to come out of the Senate, probably about a $2 trillion emergency stimulus package so we'll keep an eye on that see when that vote takes place well new york has about 10 times the number of cases that california does uh, but we are keeping an eye on new york as to what we can expect the governor newsom yesterday saying that they are going to be doing even more social distancing rules closing parks closing parking lots at state parks and he said, you know, if you're not going to if you're not going to socially distance yourself, we're just going to shut everything down. I do you do you believe that the people who are politicians, I'm trying to keep this uh, nice. Do you believe that they're getting excitement out of the idea of telling people what to do? I, I feel like there's an undercurrent where people are crossing their arms and looking at politicians and saying, Oh, I just, I'll bet you Gavin Newsom loves telling people what to do. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'd like to think this is bigger than that. I'd like to think that we're not uh, looking out for number one or, or getting uh, drunk on power because of this. Uh, I, I think a lot of politicians probably don't 
want to be tasked with dealing with this I, because th- it's real work. Wouldn't it make wouldn't it make you want to get out of politics? Yes. I mean, the, the realization that even as, you know, for years you could go, you could be the governor, uh, like Jerry Brown was the governor twice, and very rarely make decisions that are going to affect people's lives. And now, in California, I mean, he had to make decisions about death penalty, but that's onesies and twosies. We're talking about Gavin Newsom making decisions that could potentially impact hundreds, if not thousands, of people's lives. This is what they're there for. And I wonder if moving forward, if we're going to elect different people, because we'll have this in our memory of how it was dealt with and how uh, certain people were able to manage the problem or exacerbate the problem and, and how that will affect us putting elected leaders in their seats, because this is what they're there for. You know, they're not there to to, uh, you know squander taxpayers money away and use it on vacations they're there to organize everything in the effect in the event that that we need them to uh gavin newsom says he believes california will need fifty thousand hospital beds for coronavirus patients i think he's coming out actually uh better on this i mean i'm not a gavin newsom fan by any stretch of the imagination but I think that he has come out. I think he, if we're looking at him getting a little bit of a bump, he's been one of the cooler heads, I think. He's been firmer than Garcetti. Yes, where he and says. And stronger he, than Garcetti. He, he loves you and he needs you yeah, now. I don't need that. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, if, if for us, I think because we, we, I pay so much attention to the way they speak about things. Yeah, I stopped listening to him speak. I just read his exactly. text. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. If you were to watch his daily news conferences, the governor's daily news conferences, yeah. it would upset you. Because this is true. he can't get out of his mannerisms that are so annoying. But, I mean, they don't make an impact one way or the other on his policies. They're just annoying to watch. When you read the things that he says, it's much easier to digest, and I think it gives you a better impression of the guy. Last week, they said they needed 20,000 beds. Now they say 50,000 hospital beds. He says that the state's 416 hospitals, God, that doesn't sound like a lot, does it? We're doubling their so-called surge plans to 40% of their capacity, which includes providing 30,000 new beds across the system. At the same time, they say they're looking for uh, looking to secure an additional 20,000 beds outside the state hospital system. So that could be uh, mobile hospital units that have been sent in by FEMA. They're talking about uh, leasing an empty hospital near downtown L.A., uh, but there still needs to be another 17,000 beds. There can be all kinds of places FEMA brings in these tents. The president mentioned them, I think, on Sunday in his news conference, that they would bring in large mobile hospitals that FEMA can set up and take down in a a matter of days. There are also, and we've said this before, hundreds of empty, large buildings throughout Southern California that have not been occupied after businesses went up. There's an Albertsons down the street from our place. There's a a former sports chalet. There's a, a former Toys R Us. All of these really large buildings that, if needed, could potentially house hundreds of people. Not contagious people, not coronavirus patients necessarily, but other patients dealing with normal, run-of-the-mill, hospital-stay style stuff that they could be put up in those places and be taken care of. He ruled out releasing violent inmates in response to this. What? But left the door open to other relief that he says needs to be carefully weighed to avoid worsening the homelessness crisis. So it's not that we'd have violent people out on the street, you know, committing crimes. It's that there's a fear that they might join the homeless because they don't have a support system. 
that's not going to happen. Is anybody thinking about no. the whole criminal part of it? No, I. I <sighs> There's 123,000 convicts. So they, uh, are they assuming, and this is, I think, the mentality that goes into that, are they assuming that the transmission rate within the prisons would skyrocket, that yeah. it would be much faster and, and, and blow through there like it was a cruise ship somewhere? I mean, because that, if, I mean, if that's our gauge for a bad place to be in a very contagious situation like this, would a prison be the second worst pro- place to be? One inmate and five employees in the prison system have tested positive. So you know it's everywhere, right? Or are they safer because well, they're inside they, and there's only one inmate? There haven't been guests allowed in for weeks right. now. So I mean, that might be the safest place for them. All right. We'll continue some more local stuff when it comes to coronavirus. Gary and Shannon will continue. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Special little project today that we're on. Yeah, top secret. It's top secret, and it's very old. Very old. Do you see that paper, that headline? (laughs) Kennedy shot. (laughs) And that was like 40 years after the place opened, so. Uh, We are following, of course, what's going on with coronavirus later in the show. We are going to get an update from Los Angeles County, as we have for the last couple of days. At about 1230 is when we'll, when we'll see it. Also, coming up at 1220, we're going to spotlight one of these small businesses that has been uh, trying to make ends meet in this very weird new world of social distancing. And we're going to be talking with, uh, with David Dickerson, 20, uh, founder of Kitchen 24. Now, they're open for takeout and delivery uh, on Hollywood, or in Hollywood, I should say, on North Coenga and West Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard. But we'll talk about other ways that you can help out. And, and today is Takeout Tuesday, encouraging people to go to restaurants, to go get takeout, get delivery, whatever it is. We already had our burritos this morning. Yeah, because we were giving back. I have is a what question. It's God's work, really. You do a great job of providing food a lot of times. It's always your idea to get pizza or burritos or whatever mm-hmm. and then get them delivered and then we eat them. Yeah. Why do you take like two bites of it and then not eat anything else? I'm just pacing myself. You're the closest to the bathroom. You have, not, you have <laughs> exactly. nothing to worry about. Um, I have good news. And there's another door right there that we could open if we had to, if we needed to. I don't have a huge appetite. doesn't mean I don't like breakfast burritos and pizza. I just can't eat seven pieces like you can. Did you give yourself heartburn? No. I've given myself heartburn Did last you? week. Yeah. From the pizza? Yes, and from stress, but mostly from pizza. You usually don't show stress. No, I keep it internal, as a matter of fact. I squash it. Just keep it down. Oh, just that's not good. Why not? You're going to make yourself sick. No, I'm not. you got to let it out like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I have good news. You want good news? Sure. For your stress? Yes. CVS. These are, these are places that are hiring. If, if you find yourself needing a job in the next coming months... CVS has announced it's planning to fill 50,000 full-time, part-time, and temp positions across the country. Um, current employees are getting bonuses of 150 to 500 during this pandemic. Amazon plans to hire an additional 100,000 people across the country. Employees will be earning an additional $2 an hour until the end of April, and then they'll get at least 17 an hour for work in warehouses, uh, delivery centers, and Whole Foods grocery stores. Walmart 
is issuing bonuses to employees. It's also looking to hire 150,000 people across the country. I, I Listen, my son has been working. He's still showing up to work every day. But I told him, hey, if you're looking for something to do, you can work overnight in any one of these places. Yeah. They would love to have a young, handsome, virile, strong man. You know your son. I made it weird, right? No, no, it's just, it's funny when you say that he's handsome because he looks like you. So you're basically oh, calling, does? you're like pulling a Blake. Wait, he does? You're like, I am so handsome. You don't think he looks like me, does yes, he? Yes, he does. No, he's at least an inch taller than me. You, uh, could, you could lose a few pounds. I will, uh, to catch up with him? <laughs> Hold on a second. When I graduated high school, I was five pounds heavier than he was. Uh, and he's still, I think he's lost weight since he graduated high school. Uh, let me add a couple of things of good news. Um, the Grand Princess cruise ship. You remember that was the one that was uh, up off of San Francisco and came into Oakland and unloaded some of the passengers. Yes. Some of those passengers from Grand Princess cruise ship are out of quarantine. About 120 of them were scheduled to head home yesterday. About 600 more of them today. Time out. <laughs> the the not so good news is not all of them have been tested for coronavirus. Some of them were denying the tests, right? Yes. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Way to do your part. There was a uh, a 56 year old travel agent from Saratoga who was on the Grand Princess and quarantined at Travis uh, Air Force Base. She got uh, yesterday. She got home and she said it was somewhat scary getting out. Social distancing was not enough to not worry about being close to people. The fact that I was really getting back to liberty only seemed real when I saw my boyfriend's car waiting just in front of where they arranged our luggage. Now, Governor Newsom had suggested, speaking of the governor, that our social distancing measures may need to last two or three months. Now, that's, from, that's from Governor Newsom. I don't know exactly what he's talking about when he says that. Does he mean social distancing to the point of non-essential businesses being closed? Or does he mean social distancing in that when we're in line, we stay six feet away from each other, we limit the number of people who can be in a, a certain store at a certain time? Those types of social distancing things continue to make sense to me, even if, like the president has been saying, we want to try to get some things back to normal by, uh, by Easter. In the U.K., they have a rule that two people, anything more than two people, is, is off limits. Uh, unless, you know, you've got a family of four or something like that, or a family of six or eight or ten or whatever. I think How's I... Philip Rivers and the family doing through all this? That's a whole lot of people up in that house. Well, the thing is, <laughs> he could probably afford to buy some auxiliary buildings for yeah, the house. Yeah, true. The, you know, for the three younger kids go over there, the three older ones are over there. How many they got? Nine? Ten? Nine? And ten? Tenth on the way? I don't I know. Like I lose count. I can't keep up. Let Indianapolis keep up. <laughs> uh, we will continue talking about some of the local stuff in all of this, including uh, Los Angeles County. We are now up to more than 2,200 cases in Los Angeles County, uh, 128 from yesterday. Um, How do you feel? Sorry, 2,200 in California, 536 here in L.A. I feel fine. Why? Just checking in. Just the daily check-in, huh? Mm -hmm. We never did get a, a thermometer of any kind, did we? We should do that. Right? Why? That would be responsible. They should do it before we get into the building. By the time we're sitting in the office and we take a temperature and we're like, whoa, 
100.7. I feel like I already have it, and I'm just battling it, you know? Like, I'm just beating it back. Hold on a second. What does that mean, <laughs> Rodney <kidding>. Pete? <laughs> what do you mean you have it? You grunted it out? <laughs> have they been coming into work? Uh... Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw Fred yesterday. Oh, did you? I didn't see that. I haven't seen them in a while. Um, all right. Did you hear about the fancy hotels in San Francisco, too? We'll have to get to that this hour. Oh, that's right. Let's do that next. Okay. That's even better. Love it. Fancy hotels, San Francisco, and coronavirus. Gary and Shannon. So why don't you just meet me in the middle? In the middle. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The president saying he wants this all to be over by Easter. <laughs> yes, we all do. He had a uh, virtual town hall type meeting from the Rose Garden and says that uh, hopefully we'll come roaring back by Easter. That it's an important day for other reasons, but that it's going to be an important day for this as well. I feel like that's going to be pushed back upon later on today when the White House task force gives its uh, briefing. I think it's in the 5 o'clock hour today, our time, something like that. Um, the uh, governor is expected to give an up update later today. We'll see the mayor in the city of L.A. and, of course, L.A. County, and that's the one that we have been covering on a pretty regular basis. So at about 1230 today, Los Angeles County officials will get up there and give their updates on the cases here. We said that 536 cases have been confirmed in Los Angeles County. That's an increase of 128 from the day before. But, And I, I think in terms of keeping an eye on how how much this is growing, how impactful this is going to be on the healthcare system, it's a better idea to get an indication as to how many people have been hospitalized every day with this. Because testing positive, people can go back home. And a lot of people can uh, recover on their own without a lot of medical intervention. But some people are the ones that uh, need to go to the hospital for, uh, for ventilators, et cetera. So um, San Francisco is one of those places that, at least very early on, there was a concern it was going to turn into a real bad place when it came to coronavirus. Some of the swankiest hotels, like the Palace Hotel, Mark Hopkins International Hotel. I went to both of those places when I realized I wanted to get married in, in San Francisco. And this was years before people were allowed to uh, defecate in the streets with no punishment. It used to be a nice place, San Francisco. I remember the that olden wasn't, days. It wasn't part of the wedding, was it? <laughs> what? Pooping in the street. No, it was before that. It was before all that. It was before the wedding? It was before the pooping in the streets oh, before was the legal. pooping in the streets. Got it. Now I'm all... Because I didn't go to the wedding. I was never invited. So you I didn't... were invited, and you're the only person in the entire newsroom that didn't go. Oh, my gosh. So anyway. Yeah. True story. So anyway, <laughs> it's okay. You can go to the next one <laughs> when he leaves me. Oh, I'm going to um, go to his. No. <laughs> So anyway, I wanted to uh, get married in the city and looked at a couple of places and went to some of the, the nice hotels and l laughed out loud when I went to the Palace Hotel, or I guess it was an email back then asking how much it would cost to get married there. Mm -hmm. Laughed out loud at the number that came from the Palace Hotel and the Mark Hopkins as well. Uh, and now they're saying, they're begging, those places are begging the city, please use us to 
house coronavirus patients. Please use us because otherwise they're getting no business at all, obviously. So they want to become kind of like makeshift coronavirus hospitals, and then the city would pay them for each room that they used. They said 31 hotels in San Francisco with a combined 8,300 rooms responded when City Hall put out a request for proposals to put up people during the outbreak. And they would agree to house people for at least four months at a price cheaper than tourists or business people or Shannon Farron would pay. Now, they're unprecedented times, uh, clearly. And the Hotel Council, I guess, is a group that represents a bunch of hotels there. They said that they would agree to these types of things simply because of these unprecedented times. The, they said that they determined there were 6,550 hotel rooms offered up so far that would be useful because they meet certain criteria. Number one, that they would be ADA compliant. And number two, that they would have good ventilation systems. Of those, of the 6,500 that followed that, uh, 6,200 or so could be used as isolation rooms for those under quarantine. So in that event, the 213 bucks a day for the charge for the city, in that event, those people would include three meals. Uh, they'd get three meals delivered every day, and they're mostly targeted at residents of hotels who wouldn't be able to hold up in their own rooms because they would share communal bathrooms and kitchens and things. They say rooms for first responders and healthcare workers needing a place to stay between shifts, the city would pay 164 per day for those. City would pay $79 a day to hold the rooms that aren't in use. I wonder how they came up with these figures. I, I have no idea. And um, why, are, why are there different rates for different, I guess an infected person is going to cost the city more than somebody who's a first well, responder? Because the infected person is going to get meals. Got it. So and, and, and they uh, can share spaces, I guess, the other ones. True. Um, the other thing is, I mean, it's not without some controversy. There is a, there's a dispute about whether or not the rooms would be available for people living on the streets who don't otherwise have any place to go. The shelter in place in your tent doesn't work very well, like the mayor has ordered everybody to do. So they're talking about urging the city to move away from the reliance on traditional shelters, traditional homeless shelters in San Francisco, in favor of putting as many of these homeless people as possible into their own hotel rooms. I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know how well that works, because let's say that this thing lasts for four months, which is sort of the timeline that they have uh, in terms of keeping people in a place for four months. If you've got homeless people in San Francisco who then move into the Park Chateau Hotel (laughs) for four months, what do you think it's going to be like four months from now when you try to get them to move out? Exactly. And how are you going to get people in there once it's publicized at the Park Chateau Hotel had a bunch of homeless coronavirus people in it. There's a there's a joke in there somewhere, but I can't because of Do the, it. the FCC. Come on. I really not appreciate that. They're not listening. They're busy. It wouldn't be the Park Chateau. It'd be the Park... Oh. Get it? See, that way you can't... Got that it. way I could say it without saying the whole thing. You could say Chateau. Uh, chateau. Uh-huh. Chateau. Yeah. That's, I'm not going to say it anymore. <laughs> uh, all right. When we come back, we'll find some good news. We'll talk about something happy and fun. Mm. Oh, the one guy who said he's sorry. Or is that coming up in trending? We'll do that in trending. We'll find some good news when we come back. Gary and Shannon will Good luck continue. with that. I, I don't know where you're going to get this alleged good news you speak of. Crozier, help me out. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Will you remind me never to post a picture of a tool and, and with the caption, I don't know what this is again? <laughs> 
you could you didn't even ask that was first. Dumb. You just said, "Oh, that was so dumb." Looks like an alien creature that. <laughs> so, so it's a drill press. What's this? <laughs> Dumbass. And it's got a foot pedal on it, too. I That's know. an old school Listen, one. Why, I, what are people saying now? Everybody is telling me it's a drill press. Oh, well, then you Actually, can't. I, I could take it down. No, but it's a cool picture. It's a great picture. It's a very right. old, cool tool. Gary I, and Shannon. I have found two good stories. I found two as well. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio <laughs> app, and it's time for good news. And that's. You oh. want to take turns? Sure. Okay. Um, I have one of my good stories is about love, and one of it is from the crime blotter. Mine, Which one would you like first? I want the crime blotter, because then we'll do three in a row that are love, because okay. I have lo- ugh, love as well. All right, this comes to us from Florida, because of course it does. <laughs> and it begins with a naked couple fighting inside a car parked at the mall. This is the story that we need, everyone. It was Clearwater <laughs> Mall, Sunday night. And police are called to the scene because there's a report that there's a fight in progress. Witnesses told officers that after hearing a woman screaming, they discovered that there were these two people, a boy and a girl, a man and a woman, naked inside the car wrestling each other. Cops separated them when they arrived on the scene. Wait, wait, do do you mean wrestling each other? Well, I'll get to that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. So during the police questioning, because they were separated, right? And police are like, what's going on? How did this happen? And they both said they had the same story that uh, the the confrontation occurred after they were done having sex inside the car. Because that's what you do when you go to Clearwater Mall. (laughs) The woman, apparently after the sex, decided that she had to urinate. So she goes outside the car, urinates, and then apparently the guy says he... That she threw the pee napkin at him. <laughs> That's his words. Come on. You're so desperate for anything <laughs> other than. Let me have this. <laughs> Let me have this. <laughs> so uh, that he lost it on her because you don't. <laughs> you just just bad etiquette. Oh, is that what it is? Is bad etiquette? Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, that couple, uh, I guess, could potentially still have a nice wedding day. There was, uh, let me move to Texas for this good story. Okay. In Texas, uh, Crystal and Jason were going to get married on the 21st, which would have been last weekend, right? Is that right? Just Saturday, right. Just Saturday, the day before uh, Blake, whoever that was. And by that point, it was too late for them to cancel parts of their wedding. They, of course, had to make the decision to delay the wedding, but some of the stuff had already been paid for. Their flowers, for example, had already shipped and were actually scheduled to arrive uh, last Wednesday before their ceremony on Saturday. So, Crystal says, I just wanted somebody to be able to enjoy our flowers since we wouldn't be able to. So what they did was they gathered up all of their flowers, and apparently there was a ton of them. And they donated all of their flowers to three different assisted living homes. Oh, that's really nice. Now, they have pictures. Uh, this is the part I'm not so certain about. I don't know what the rules are in Texas right now. But apparently you could just walk into any assisted living facility and go uh, hang out with Grandma and Grandpa all you want. Even though in California you can't do that right now. So Crystal and Jason uh, took us several pictures of them handing out flowers to the, uh, the different residents there. 
which was very nice. That's rolling the dice, man. That is rolling the dice because this thing is all up in the in the uh, senior living facilities. Nick may have been the last person to get married. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, Blake got married technically, didn't he? Right. But, but in have front a, of people, a celebration. But he didn't have fun like Nick did. No. Uh, do you have another love story? I do have a love story. Um, this was a man by the name of Steve Walton. Steve Walton was due to get a prosthetic limb last week. <laughs> Why is that funny? Nothing. I'm sorry. I was wow. looking at the TV. Uh, it's not funny. <laughs> That's not Damn. funny. Damn. Well, what, which limb? It's the bottom half of his right leg. <laughs> That's not funny. Gary. I know it's not. I'm not laughing take at that. Take half of your leg off and see if you're still laughing. I am not laughing. So the appointment was canceled because of the COVID 19 outbreak, right? So he was bummed out, obviously. Well, what did his wife do? His, Yelled at him. His wife decided he could not wait. So she went into the garage and she made him a leg with a bucket, fiberglass <laughs> resin, and wood. I told you this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> he said, my wife is very practical. She can turn her hand to anything. I saw her rummaging around in the shed. I thought she was going to go do the garden. And she built him a leg. He said the next thing, she had, one of, uh, she had a, one of the buckets and an old piece of wood. It was like something Long John Silver would wear. <laughs> be mad at me for laughing at that it's really sweet though isn't it that is sweet if you had do you think you would have the wherewithal no. to make a lower leg for your husband my husband losing a leg does not turn me into macgyver you know what i mean you wouldn't be frustrated like he wouldn't be able to keep up with you when you were out for a walk or anything and you <laughs> you wouldn't be prompted to build him a leg just because you were frustrated i mean here's the thing there's not else much for us to do these days so what else was she going to do? Not build him a leg? Right. When she had all that time on right. her hands, she just come up with different nicknames for him, like Skippy. Uh, then this final love story. This one's coming out of New York City, specifically the Washington Heights neighborhood in Manhattan. Riley and Amanda celebrated their love with a surprise wedding. They got married on Friday. Now, wait a minute. I know what you're thinking. How can you get married? There's nobody there, Right. They stood on the street. They had originally planned to get married in October, but they were afraid that everybody was going to be closed in October, which I think is kind of overshooting it. Fearing that the venue would be closed, fearing that travel restrictions would be more severe and their friends and family would not be, uh, be there to join them, they moved up their nuptials. They stood on the sidewalk, Riley and Amanda did, while Matt, their friend who officiated the wedding, leaned out of his fourth floor apartment window and yelled the vows at them while they were reciting them to each other. They rushed into the marriage bureau on Thursday to get a copy of their marriage license, which they received without issue. But as they're about to leave their apartment to return for the ceremony, the mayor of New York City announced that the marriage bureau would be closing indefinitely. So they wanted to get it done quickly. So they put on their wedding gear, attire, and got married out there in the middle of the street. Anyone missing a limb? <laughs> it's kind of dry if they're not missing a limb. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm didn't. i off of my amputee news group. I didn't realize that, uh, that we were doing good amputee news. You know what we should also do? 
besides that is a Darwin uh, a Darwin alert or like a like a Darwinism story oh, of the I, day. I think I know where you're going with this one. Is it this, involve the fish tank cleaner? Yes. This is Arizona, right? Yeah. Okay, go for it. Okay. A man in his 60s in Arizona decided to drink fish tank cleaner because he thought that that would prevent contracting COVID-19. The man and his wife, both dead. Were they both died? Oh, no, no, no. She's in critical care, but they both took the chloroquine phosphate. Which is not no, the same, not the same hydroxychloroquine that the president has been talking about. Not the same. Or, or Daniel Day Kim has been talking about. Did you see that, by the way? Do you remember the guy from Lost? Yeah, I guess he was on Hawaii Five O as well. Daniel Day Kim, the actor. Yeah, I don't know who he is, but I've I've heard his name in the news recently. You, you'd recognize him if you saw a picture of him. Um, he he came down with coronavirus, and. Tested positive for it and everything, had the symptoms, went to his doctor. His doctor prescribed him a cocktail that was made up mostly of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, the two drugs that the president put in the tweet. Yeah. He's not a doctor. I mean, the president. He's not a doctor. Probably should not have done that because of the potential dangers. But then Daniel Day Kim comes out in an Instagram post and says, that's exactly what my doctor prescribed me. And then there was a couple of other things. Uh, uh like an inhaler, primatine, I think, or albuterol, something like that, that that he could use. But those were the two main ingredients in the drug cocktail that Daniel Day Kim says absolutely changed everything for him. Within a couple of days, he was symptom-free and feels fantastic, feels great. So if you're going to go against the president, you also have to go against Daniel Day Kim. You don't have to, I guess. Um, oh, good news. Here's a good news story as well. Mm. In Pasadena, a lab called Omnipathology has launched its COVID-19 lab-developed test and LDT in response to the FDA's policy announcement. So they're saying it's going to use real-time PCR technology. I'm not going to get into the details because it's super specific. Because you're a doctor now. They're talking about increasing their throughput to more than 550 tests per day during the following weeks. That's just one lab. The more we test, the better idea we have of what's going on, and we can determine whether or not we can get back to normal by Easter or not. We'll see. It's not just Jesus that uh, I, I feel like there's a joke in there, and I haven't really worked it out completely. Well, you got to start. That's, you got the first. You got the first few words of the joke. It's not just Jesus. <laughs> it's all of us. There was that one guy. Ah. <laughs> uh. Let's roll back that stone, shall we? Something with is risen. The economy is risen. Right, right. There's it, something there. It is risen indeed. We're all risen. Okay. <laughs> wow. I'm come sure on. Jesus likes it. All right. We'll talk trending when we come back. I wonder what's going on in the news. Don't show up. Don't come out. Don't start caring about me now. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. As you heard Crozier say, Wall Street's doing pretty well today. Dow is up 1,700 points right now, back up over 20,000, up a little more than 9%. A lot of people uh, expect that we're going to see 
some sort of a deal come out of the Senate today when it comes to uh, getting a an actual stimulus package put together of almost two trillion with a T, two trillion dollars. Um, at the bottom of the hour, by the way, we expect to see the latest from Los Angeles County. We will bring that to you live when it starts. Coming up from uh, downtown Los Angeles and in a few minutes, we're going to be talking with uh, Kitchen 24 founder David Dickerson about what's going on with small businesses, restaurants, etc., and how it is that you might be able to help out. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, the number one trending item on Twitter is hashtag Reopen America. The president saying today he wants the U.S. economy to open back up by Easter Sunday. That's less than three weeks away. Easter falls on April 12th. The remarks came in a Fox News virtual town hall event at the White House. And this is as more states, I think we're up to 15, have imposed extreme measures, shutting down businesses, ordering people to stay home. And Trump said, we're opening up this, we are opening up this incredible country because we have to do that. I would love to have it open by Easter. I would love to have that, he says. It's such an important day for other reasons, but I'd love to make it an important day for this. Uh, We would all love that if that was the case, although he's not the one who gets, uh, he's not the one who's going to be able to have the voice of reason on this. He has some, uh, he's got some skin in the game. And I'm not sure if that makes him the right person to make these types of decisions. Michael Levitt, a Nobel laureate, guy works for a a place called um, Stanford. I don't know if you've heard of that. He says that he has been analyzing uh, COVID-19 cases worldwide. And he actually told the L.A. Times a couple of days ago that the worst the worst of the coronavirus outbreak is going to be okay. That a lot of people have been warning of months or even years of social disruption, millions of death. And Michael Levitt says the data just does not support that scenario. Now, clearly, we need to control the panic. In the grand scheme of things, we are going to be fine. And points to different numbers out of China, uh, the new numbers out of Italy where things have been slowing down. At least the, the growth rate has slowed down. All of those reasons to be optimistic about the best case scenarios although that we, we will see some temporary pain as a result of it. I don't know if April 12th is the right time to get back to normal, but we will get back to normal at some point, and we'll be okay. Terrence McNally has died, the playwright, uh, due to complications of coronavirus. This was, he's 81 years old. Um, he just got the 2019 Tony Award for Lifetime Achievement in Theater. He wrote... Uh, plays like Ragtime, The Ritz, uh, The Rink, things that go bump in the night. Anyway, he's, I think, maybe one of the first celebrities we're hearing about uh, that has died from complications. From coronavirus? Yeah. Oh. Um, we've also seen, uh, in terms of what's going on, Liberty University is trending right now. Liberty University, thousands of students are expected to return to campus, even though we are in the midst of what's been going on with the... Uh, coronavirus outbreak and the jerry falwell the guy who leads the whole campus jerry falwell jr the president has invited students to go back to the residence halls directed faculty members to continue to report to campus even as most of the classes have been moving online because he says he wants to protect the kids he says i think we have a responsibility to our students who paid to be here want to be here love it here and give them the ability to be with their friends continue their studies enjoy the room and board they've already paid for and to not interrupt their college life. Interesting. Oh, oh, the interesting is one word. That's one word. Yeah. Idiotic is another yeah, one. Yeah, I, I don't know how you could... 
the, I don't know. The, the Virginia Department of Health announced there were cases in Amherst and Bedford counties. Uh, as of Monday night, Virginia has 250 people have contracted the disease. Seven people have died. Now, if you just used an example, Virginia in general is not as densely populated as sections of California, for example. But if you use California as an example in terms of the rate of spread, the increase in deaths, that's a horrible decision on Liberty University's part. Yeah. Uh, it's reckless at the very least. India has shut down 1.3 billion people. The prime minister ordered a complete lockdown for India. They said it would start at midnight local time. India has the world's second most populous, is the, the world's second most populous country. And uh, it, they said so far it's, it's appeared to avoid the full hit of the pandemic, which you, you, when you think of India, you would think about how easily that would, that would spread. Um, should it hit, which is why the overall lockdown. Uh, one of the big stories locally that has nothing to do with coronavirus, thankfully, is that the L.A. Rams got their new uh, logo out there. Oh, it's hideous, there. isn't it? <laughs> it's so and goofy. Everybody was quick to make it so much better, you know, like just changing the, the color of the eyes or creating the eyes on the Ram to yeah. like that, that bright yellow oh. makes it look cooler. So it was funny that you and uh, Matt Money-Smith talked about the what was potentially the inspiration for it i mean just that the strange cow head that was uh that's up on the hotel in phoenix yeah we stay at the same place when we go play the cardinals and every room it's called the camby hotel and every room has this huge uh like it's like a southwestern type head of a cow Mm -hmm. and it's just the the skeleton of it with the horns and it's huge, and it's backlit, it's backlit. with, like, a teal uh, light, and it's terrifying. You know, you, you go out, you, you have dinner, a couple pops, and you come home, you forget that thing's in the room. And it's staring you know, at you all night. And it's staring at you when you walk in. It's terrifying. I put a, I put a, a towel over it the last time we stayed there. I don't want that thing looking at me. You need to bring a hammer with you on these trips so you can just break oh, yeah, stuff in the hotel room. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And then be like, I didn't do it, the dog did it. Gary and Shannon will continue. We'll come back and talk about a way that you can help out a local restaurant, your favorite little community diner that's coming up. David Dickerson from Kitchen 24. What? What do you mean there was no dog? Gary and Shannon will continue. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. This summer, we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new Nissan. We invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views premium seats in all rows, and connected tech while avoiding baggage fees, layovers, and neck pillows. So fasten your seatbelts and enjoy nonstop routes to summer because the best way to travel this season is in a new Nissan. And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to 3500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, 3500 on 2020 Rogue consists of 3000 cash back and 500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 76 2020
Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery of available. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Hey, coming up at 1.30, we are going to hook up with our friend Neil Saavedra, our fork reporter for Tasty Tuesday. We're going to be talking about timefortakeout.com, a nice website where you can find out who is still open for business, curbside, pickup, delivery, all the information. At the bottom of the hour, we're expecting to get an update from Los Angeles County health officials and other officials. We'll tune in for that and make sure that we carry that for you live. And then in the 1 o'clock hour, like you said, Neil Sabatra is coming along. We'll talk more with him about what's, well, all the good food things to do while you're stuck. Speaking of good food things to do while you are stuck, we have been trying to highlight as many small businesses as we can, at least one a day. And today we wanted to talk to you about Kitchen 24. And I'm on their website right now. They are open for business for online ordering, pickup, delivery, and holy hell, this looks good. I'm not supposed to say that. David Dickerson oh. is the founder no? of Kitchen 24. David, thanks for joining us. Hi, how you doing? How you guys doing today? Oh, you know, so good, good so far. Um, what's going on with you guys? You've been uh, in this situation now for a week. How are things going? Uh, well, first of all, let me just say thank you to you guys because without radio, our sense of connection would be at nothing right now. I mean, I know my family and all the workforce right now is really relying on radio. So thanks, KFI. Thank you, you guys. I've been listening all morning, and so is my team. You guys are really providing a great amount of support. We're, we're all in the same boat as everybody else. We're all struggling. You know, we're all just trying to manage everything. You know, information's coming at us so quickly, uh, and changes are coming so quickly. We're like everybody else. We're just trying to navigate the waters with the information that's in front of us as quickly and as safely as possible. David, what's your story with Kitchen 24? How did you come up with this? Uh, how, did, how did you build it up? Well, we started in Hollywood uh, in, in 12 years ago, and basically we thought there was a real need for contemporary uh, comfort food, meaning there's food out there that, you know, can be comforting, but it also doesn't have to be frozen. It doesn't have to be, you know, it can be made from scratch. It can be made with care. It can be made with good ingredients. So for us, it was just about trying to take what me and my grandmother used to do, which is go to a diner when we were kids, and she would eat breakfast, and I would eat dinner. Um, and it didn't matter. We served breakfast, lunch, and dinner 24 hours a day. So for us, it's just about being today's diner for today's customer. Uh, we talked the other last couple of days now about this new rule for alcohol delivery that the state uh, imposed or, I guess, loosened the restrictions on deliveries and uh, to go. And then the city as well, the mayor made sure that that was possible in, in Los Angeles. Is that a big deal for you guys? Um, you know, we're really trying to focus on the food part of things, and that information just came to us. And like I said, we're, our biggest challenge is processing things and making decisions as quickly as possible um, and as safely as possible. And so we really just now today, as a matter of fact, after this call, I'm going to go and do a call 
and see if there's a way for us to capitalize off that a little bit of the alcohol. But really, we want to just stay focused on the food. If we can add alcohol for people on, you know, on weekends or they want to do a little, you know, brunch in a box or if people want to do something on a you know, Friday night, we can package alcohol together. But we're really trying to just stay focused on the food and the quality and the safety right now. Um, we'll probably find some creative ways to add it on. Um, but for right now, food is our focus. We're talking with David Dickerson. He is the founder of Kitchen 24. And I don't want to ask you to pick between your children, but what are some standouts you think uh, on the menu? Maybe some of the popular items or the things that, that you hold near and dear to your heart? You know, I, I, I have the liberty of eating there two or three times a day. So I kind of go through it all at some point in time. It's phases for me. Right now, I'm on a huge uh, Asian salad kick, uh, just trying to sort of stay light with all of this, you know, sedentary lifestyle we're living right now. So I'm trying to order less burgers and more salads today. But uh, at some point, I'll probably crave that burger again, too. <laughs> uh, when it comes to staff, have you been able to keep everybody on? Uh, how, how has oh, that been working? That's the hardest part is, you know, we're, we've been, you know, we obviously can't keep staff on for, you know, our full operations right now. So we're just trying to run with the bare minimum staff. You know, it cuts down on traffic. It cuts down on the potential for any uh, contamination. So we're running on the very absolute bare minimum staff. Our management is kind of holding down to the front of the house with some, a little bit of help. And then just some key guys in the kitchen who are performing right now. Amazing. And it's helping keep, uh, you know, some money flowing through those families and through those people and allowing them, and they're helping other people with it too. So for us, it's really just about, as long as we can do it safely, we want to keep doing it because it's kind of helping us keep our doors open. If us, like any other restaurant, if we shut down, it's, it's a monumental task to get back open. If we can keep the lights on, keep cleanliness, keep, you know, keep our standards for uh, health inspection and all those things kind of going on a daily basis, it just makes reopening a lot easier. So that's the reason we're hanging on. And as long as we can do it safely, we're going to try and do that. And, and we've had great feedback from some of our customers, too. We thought we'd be doing a lot of Uber and Postmates stuff, but people are really trying to support us. And this is the way to support restaurants is go locally to their websites. A lot of these uh, third-party portals charge 25 to 30% mark markup. And some of them are forgiving it right now. But overall, restaurants are struggling right now. And that extra 20 to 30% off the bottom line in an already difficult business Go directly to restaurants' websites and directly order from them. For us, uh, you know, you can enter a promo code K24Love on our website and you'll get 25% off and free delivery. We always have free delivery when you use our website. But it will really help the restaurant tours keep their lights on. All right, so you want to go to kitchen24.info. Again, order takeout and delivery. You can get 25% off with that promo code K24Love, L-O-V-E. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll include some beer if need be. <laughs> if that sweetens the deal, what the heck? David, thank you. We appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you guys again for all your support and creating that sense of connection within our community. I really appreciate it. I know a lot of people are listening and appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you, David. Again, we'll make sure that we throw information up. You can follow Kitchen24. Uh, just search for at Kitchen24 on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, it's k 24 Hollywood. Two of the locations, one in Hollywood on Coanga, the other one West Hollywood on Santa Monica. Again, the website is kitchen24.info. Uh, standing by, waiting for the update from Los Angeles County, and when it comes, we will uh, we'll bring it to you live. He said something, and I've been thinking about this. I've been trying to figure out what sort of a, a slow, uh, what natural disaster this has been a slow version of. Yeah. If you've ever watched coverage of live you know, reporters, the goobers that they are, standing out in the middle of a hurricane. Uh, there's a, uh, a guy who was working for Fox News, and his name will come to me in a second. 
Andy. Don't touch your face. Sorry. And I remember, I just put like Purell on my, so I'm going to burn my eyes. Your eyes do look a little watery. They are not watery. Now you're making me sick. <laughs> uh, but he would stand out, and this had to be Hurricane Katrina. He was standing in the, the like the, what do you call that? The carport of a hotel. There's a French word for it. And he was watching Hurricane Katrina roll through. And I remember, I mean, the the time of the absolute peak of that storm, he was literally holding on to the pillars of the building to get through that. And every 30 or 45 minutes when they'd come back to him, he would be a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better to the point where he could let go of the pillar. He could stand out there. He'd stand in the parking lot. And a few hours later, he could stand. It was still raining and the wind was still blowing, but he could stand out there and give his report without being terrified that this was going to be the end of his life. I feel like there's this point where we know this hurricane is coming, whether it's the whatever that hurricane definition is for you, the hard part of the storm where it's, you know, the surge, the, the in, surge in, in cases, right. the hospitals being inundated, the need for the ICU beds, the right. respirators, the the ventilators. I mean, whatever the definition is of that storm peaking, I feel like we're close to that. We're just going to have like he was I feel referring like it's to this week. Well, and David was referring to if we could just hang on to keep the doors open, yeah. then we'll be OK. We can reopen and get everything back in the place that needs to be. And for those people who want to come back and work for us again, there'll be place for them. I feel like we're in that spot where we have to just we just need to hang on, get through the darkest time. And then every day we get up when we whatever time that is, it's going to get easier. It's going to be better. There will be better news and we can kind of let go of that building pillar. And then he is risen. Right. He is risen indeed. Right. <laughs> yes. I suppose. Standing by for L.A. County Public Health. Officials. That was an excellent analogy, by the way. Thank you. I'll use it again and pretend like and I, I never to, said it the first time. And then I had to screw it up with the Jesus thing. What? No, you didn't screw that up. What better word? Rebirth. That's that's what yes. Easter is. Yes. Yes. Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Let's go live now to downtown Los Angeles, the Hall of Administration. L.A. County Supervisor Catherine Barger is at the podium right now. Mental health challenges. I want to reaffirm social distancing does not mean isolation. As we are spending more of our time in our own homes, it requires us to be extra intentional, to stay connected to our friends, families, and our neighbors. Caring for our mental health and reaching out to others is more important now than ever. To help navigate this difficult time, our Department of Mental Health will continue to provide counseling and other services via the phone. Being safer at home doesn't mean being lonely. I encourage our communities to stay connected in creative ways, whether it's through phone calls, video chatting, or texting. Another way to care for your mental health is to do an act of kindness for someone else. Consider lending a hand to a neighbor in need by dropping off groceries, or send a letter to a loved one to let them know you're just thinking about them. We all must care for our friends, family, and neighbors well at this time. An important way we can care for others is by ensuring there are enough resources available for them. We're seeing a lot of hoarding of essentials like toilet paper and disinfectants, even though there are no shortages or supplies. Though we're all facing the stress of the pandemic, please be considerate and save resources for everyone. 
And we're still seeing people neglecting to realize the severity of this crisis, such as still spending time at the beach or on vacations. It's important for us to remember the social distancing is done for your own good. Please don't crowd in public spaces. We all need to take to heart how serious this is and recognize that we are putting others at risk. And of course, please take care of yourself. You are not alone. With all the resources available, I know our communities can put their mental health first and navigate this together. Please take advantage of the tools the Department of Mental Health has to offer mental health care. It's okay to say that you need help. Now I would like to invite Dr. Sharon up to say a few words, and I would like to thank you all for everything you're doing to help us flatten this curve. Dr. Sharon? Thank you very much, Supervisor Barger. As we begin living through and adjusting rapidly to a new order, there is increased stress on us all. Whether or not we have suffered with mental health challenges before as individuals or families or even organizations, managing such radical change over a short period of time can be very difficult. In particular, with change comes the unknown, a perceived loss of control, fear for our safety, and heightened anxiety that can be especially tough on kids and disabled who, like everyone, require routines. This, this sequence is a normal reaction at all levels and as such requires that we step up our county efforts with resources to be responsive in particular ways now and over the coming months. For those in need of immediate help, it is very, very important that you reach out and express your feelings with someone you trust, whether it's a family member, a friend, or a mental health professional. With respect to professional help, the Department of Mental Health can and should be contacted 24-7 at 800-854-7771. And I want to repeat that number, 800-854-7771. Seven, one. We are here to accept your calls, provide information, talk through issues, assist you with linkage to our system and or other resources as indicated. In terms of things that we can do as individuals to ease our anxiety now, keep your healthy routines as possible, including proper sleep, eating well, and exercising to maintain and grow your resilience and well-being. Establish new routines and try to adopt an approach whereby new routines are not necessarily a bad thing. Staying at home and slowing down your pace can be a way to relax, pick up old hobbies, or take care of things that you have been putting off. And please avoid dangerous routines, including reliance on alcohol or drugs to numb your anxiety, or trolling for information that is likely rumor, as those things can only make anxiety worse over time. As we face challenges, not only as individuals, but across the county, it is important to think also about our larger response, because the mental health ramifications are significant. In Los Angeles County, 
we are seeing unprecedented leadership from our board and administration who are fighting for our communities all day long, cutting red tape like never before, and pushing the state as well as the federal government to assist us now. This level of cooperation and coordination between the county departments is likewise totally unprecedented. And I salute all of my colleagues for their leadership from the front lines to the back office. Within my own department, the tireless commitment to mission has been blowing my mind each day as we pivot towards new ways of doing business, double down on the most critical services to the most vulnerable populations, figure out ways to serve the general public at a time of collective anxiety, and remain flexible as these scenarios evolve on a daily and at sometimes hourly basis. And I can say the same about our network of community-based providers who are standing strong with us as partners through entirely uncharted territory. As I reflect upon the last couple of weeks and the entire range of people and groups and organizations working as a larger team in the face of adversity, I am perhaps most struck by the amount of collaboration we see across communities at every level. And that, from a mental health perspective, is our most vital indicator of collective well-being and our most effective weapon against COVID. Rather than panic, we are being, we are being calm in the face of adversity. Acts of kindness, interdependence, and unity have new meaning and are marking our collective response every hour of every day as we do simple things like delivering food safely to the elderly, staying home, and managing our, our personal space. And with respect to personal space and to reinforce the supervisor's comments, we must all understand and embrace the, no the notion that social distancing guidelines are only about physical distance, but that connecting with ourselves, each other, and functioning as a close-knit society is more important than ever, than ever. Please reach out, take care of one another, and stay united for our individual and collective mental health and well-being. I'd like to now introduce or bring back Barbara Ferrer, our Director of Public Health. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dr. Sharon, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, every day I feel blessed that I stand here with the leadership of our county, uh, and I want to thank uh, all of you uh, who are here with us today and those who are elsewhere for your tireless work and commitment to this effort. And I, I especially want to thank uh, Supervisor Barger. Uh, it's an enormous task that's before us as a county. This is the largest jurisdiction in the country. It's over 10 million people that we have to continue to be of service to. Uh, and we can't uh, really thank Supervisor Barger and the Board of Supervisors enough for stepping up and providing a path forward for all of us to uh, come together, work hard together, and, uh, and really make a significant effort here to slow the spread of COVID-19. I want to update you on our current status. I'm really sad to report four additional deaths today, including one death that was reported by the Long Beach Health Department yesterday. This brings the total number of deaths to 11 in LA County. Tragically, one of the people who died was a person under the age of 18, a devastating reminder 
that COVID-19 infects people of all ages. These are difficult numbers to report because behind these numbers are families and friends who are experiencing terrible loss. We, the entire LA County community, keep you in our thoughts and our prayers. Today, we're also reporting 128 new cases, and the total number of cases in LA County now stands at 662. Over the last 48 hours, there have been 456, I mean, 256 new cases. 256, sorry. Uh, these cases include 21 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and six cases reported by the city of Pasadena. 42% uh, of our, case, our positive cases occur in people between the ages of 18 and 40, and 39% occur in people between the ages of 41 and 65. 119 people have at some point uh, been hospitalized who have been positive with COVID-19. That's about 18% of all positive cases. You can see our updated report every afternoon of LA County cases on our website. That's www.publichealth.lacounty.gov. As of March 23rd, over 5,700 people have been tested in LA County for COVID-19, and 10% were positive. We've been at about 10% uh, since the beginning of us being able to do testing here locally. I'm extraordinarily grateful to Dr. Kazan for his leadership and his diligence in expanding capacity for testing in LA County. And as he reported yesterday, by the end of the week, we will have, we will have the capacity to add thousands and thousands of more uh, test kits uh, so that many, many more people uh, under the orders from their uh, physicians and clinicians would be able to get tested. And although things are improving, uh, and we're grateful for everyone's patience as they improve, there's still limited capacity and sometimes long waiting times for results. And this means that we must unfortunately continue to prioritize who is getting tested. Testing is available primarily for people who are symptomatic and for whom a clinical provider has determined that testing is appropriate. We ask that you help us uh, adhere to this guidance uh, from both the federal and state government, as well as uh, our guidance here in LA County. For those of you who are symptomatic, however, and you're waiting for your test results, please act as if you were positive. This means following all of our isolation directives. And for those of you who are symptomatic, but you didn't yet get a chance to be tested, please ask, act as if you too could be positive and isolate yourselves from others. Uh, starting tomorrow, I also hope I'll be able to share with you information about outbreaks in institutional settings. There's a little bit of a lag time in these reports as we need to make sure that residents, family members, and staff in the facilities have been notified before this information is released to the public. As I mentioned yesterday, and I just want to remind folks today, social distancing is one very important tool that we use, but the second tool that we need to continue to ask for your cooperation in, on is uh, adhering to isolation and quarantine orders. Uh, isolation, uh, just as a reminder, is required. It's required by law 
for anyone who's positive for COVID-19 or whose clinician has told them that they're likely to be positive for COVID-19. It's really important that folks do not wait to be notified by someone from the public health department if you've already been told by a provider that you're either positive, your test results were positive, or that you are to presume that you're positive before you begin to isolate yourself. We will be uh, instituting some blanket orders that legally will cover all of us should we get that diagnosis. But as of now, we know that there are some long wait times from some of the commercial labs, and I don't want people uh, to be sort of out and about while you're waiting for your test results. If you needed to be tested, it's because there was a good chance you could be positive. And if there's a good chance you could be positive, you need to be isolating yourself at home and really keeping away from all other people. And one of your tasks, if you are positive or you presume to be positive, is for you to notify your close contacts. Again, please don't wait for there to be an official notification any longer. Because of the long lag times in getting test results, if you are presumed to be positive or you're waiting for a test result, you need to immediately notify your close contacts so that they can begin to quarantine themselves. This is really important for family members, caregivers, close contacts, people who you work with uh, in, a very close, in very close quarters at work, and intimate partners. All of these people also need to immediately quarantine themselves. They need to stay away from others. They need to not go out. And they need to do that for 14 days because the incubation period is 14 days. Uh, if you're sick with mild illness, it may not be COVID-19, but you're not even needing to go to see your doctor and you're not getting tested, you too need to stay home, isolated from others for at least seven days and till you're fever-free for three days before you go back out. By doing both all of the social distancing that we've asked you to do and making sure if you are ill, you are staying away from all other people, and if you need to be isolated and quarantined, you're following those orders, we will, we will slow down uh, the spread of COVID-19. But it is going to take all of us and all of us being diligent. A couple of other reminders. Uh, domestic violence services are open. Uh, if you're experiencing domestic violence or you know someone else who may be, please know that help is available. The L.A. County Domestic Violence Services are open. Uh, the shelters are open and accepting intakes. Law enforcement will respond to any calls for domestic violence that come through 911. And emergency protective orders are still being issued. Nonprofit legal services are still available. So please, if you are worried of some, about somebody else or you yourself are experiencing uh, violence in your home, please call the domestic violence hotline, 1-800-978-3000. That's 1-800-978-3600. There are resources on the Domestic Violence Council's website, publichealth.lacounty.gov slash dvcouncil. You're not alone, and we have lots of resources that are available for you uh, for all kinds of issues that you may be facing during these very uncertain times. And now I'd like to open for questions. Ladies and gentlemen, the phone lines, if you wish to ask a question, please press one followed by the zero. You'll hear an acknowledgement you've been placed in queue. 
You may remove yourself from queue at any time by repeating the one zero command. Again, for questions, please press one zero. And one moment as participants queue up. Our first question comes from the line of Claudia Pistuda, uh, representing PayNX. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, Barbara, this question is for you. Um, can you let us know if there have been any pos positive tests among uh, inmates uh, or the homeless population? And also, um, I know Dr. Galley isn't there, but perhaps you could give us uh, an update on uh, open ICU beds and the number of ventilators in the county. Um, so I cannot give you the information on um, exactly how many ICU beds are open today, uh, but we could get that to you. Uh, and we can also get you the information on ventilators. I just I don't have that with me, uh, but I know we can get that to you uh, this afternoon. Um, and the first question, uh, could you remind me again the first question? Uh, any positive cases oh. among the inmate or the homeless population? Yeah. So although we continue to be testing uh, people, uh, both people who are in jails and people who are experiencing homelessness, to date we have no known positive cases. But I just want to remind all of us uh, that could change at any minute, and we would expect in both situations that we would start seeing uh, people who are positive, just like we're seeing lots more positive people in our communities. Thank you. Okay, and one more quick question, if I may. Sure. Uh, uh, we, we did see reports about traces of COVID-19 on one of these cruise ships 17 days later, which I think, you know, was alarming to some people. Um, I, uh, could you speak to that about, like, how long this might last on surfaces? And I know some people are taking pretty drastic steps in terms of, like, dealing with mail and deliveries and groceries and all this thing and, you know, wiping things down and all that. Can you speak to that? Sure. I mean, it, it's always a good idea uh, for any virus uh, to do a, a pretty decent job uh, cleaning. And we've asked everyone to actually do more frequent cleaning on places that are touched often, both in your house and if you're out and about. You know, I know Metro is doing extra cleanings, for example. Uh, we've also been very clear always about making sure that you're really careful about food, uh, and particularly about produce. This isn't just around COVID-19. This is in all kinds of situations. There's lots of other germs, um, and you need to be taking every precaution in your kitchen uh, to make sure that you're washing uh, all produce, uh, fresh foods, that you're keeping your cutting boards separate, that you're uh, using uh, hot water and uh, detergent when you're cleaning uh, utensils. Um, so, so we would ask people to to really continue to follow the, the good public health guidance and be extra certain uh, that you, in fact, are you know, cooking foods appropriately, that you're not leaving foods uh, hanging around outside. Cold foods need to stay cold. Hot foods need to stay hot. You know, common sense uh, public health precautions will go a long way towards helping uh, in terms of just protecting you and your family uh, from all kinds of germs. I think there are a lot of questions appropriately being asked about how long this virus lives on the surface. And part of uh, the answer might be it could live for a while. The question is how easily then uh, does it get transmitted uh, to a person? Um, and I think there are lots of new studies that are coming out. You know, on average in the past, we've thought that it's a fairly fragile virus. By that, I mean that it doesn't really live that long on surfaces, and that it's not easily transmitted from surfaces. 
But like everything else about this virus, because it's new, we learn a little bit more each day. I'm grateful for all the researchers and scientists that are out there, you know, helping us really better understand this virus. And we, like you, continue to just urge everyone to take all the precautions you can about washing your hands whenever you're uh, going out, coming back in, before you eat, after you uh, use the bathroom, uh, after you're around other people, uh, and certainly uh, keep your hands away from your mouth, your nose, and your eyes uh, as much as possible to avoid, just like you noted, Claudia, the possibility that you've touched something and now you're touching your mouth or your nose or your eyes and you're, in fact, introducing uh, this virus. So I don't think it's the main route of transmission. There's no evidence to suggest that it is. Uh, a lot of evidence that suggests that close contact remains the way uh, most people are getting it from other people. But at this point in time, I would ask everyone to take every precaution that you possibly can. So thank you. Thank you. Our next question today comes from the line of Chris Weber, representing the Associated Press. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks. For Supervisor Barger, uh, in a TV interview, the sheriff said the public might be becoming numb to warnings to stay at home uh, because the warnings aren't coming from law enforcement. Should these directives be coming from law enforcement to hammer that message home? And also, the sheriff says he wants to shut down gun shops. Do you know, is that happening currently? So um, regarding the first, it's not about the sheriff or public health. It's about all of us working together. And so I think that um, together it's important for us to look at enforcement but try to encourage people and remind them that, um, and it's important to know this, that the, as Dr. Ferrer said, um, it takes 14 days in some cases. So some people assume if they're not showing symptoms this week, it doesn't mean it couldn't happen next week. We can't let our guard down. And that's why we talk about flattening the curb. So I don't think it's about just law enforcement. I th we have to work together, obviously, to uh, make sure that people are complying. Uh, and that's what we are doing. As it relates to the gun stores, I, I would have to defer that to the sheriff because the sheriff gave that order. Um, and so in terms of enforcement and all, uh, I'm sure that someone um, within his information bureau would be able to answer that question regarding the thought behind it and how they're going to do enforcement. Thank you. Thank you. And next we'll go to the line of Jim Rope, representing Westwood One News. Your line is open, sir. Thank you very much. Yes, Jim Rope with Westwood One News. Uh, Dr. Ferrer, this is for you. The World Health Organization yesterday in its briefing said that from the first reported case to the first 100,000 cases, it took 67 days. From 100,000 to 200,000, it took 11 days. And then from 200,000 to 300,000, just four days. So Dr. Tedros says this thing's picking up speed. So with all of that, and testing, we hear a lot about testing, but the WHO also says that that contact, uh, contact tracing is very, very important. Now, I know you're asking people to self-quarantine if someone is tested positive, they're supposed to talk to their contacts. But a lot of people don't know they're exposed to a positive case unless they know where that positive case has been. That's number one. And then, with all due respect, we saw what happened over the weekend with people asked to voluntarily uh, comply with the social distancing mandates. So what can be done on the contact tracing, as the WHO says, that is an integral part that goes along with the testing. And then with restaurants that are still preparing food, what, what oversight is involved with that? So
so that we know that the workers who are preparing those foods are doing it in a safe environment. That seems like a big old hole where infections could escape, if you will. Sure. Those are all good questions. Uh, let me start with, uh, with the first question about contact tracing. Uh, we are 100% in agreement with you uh, that is public health strategies, identifying cases that are positive and identifying their close contacts is the most important strategy that we need to continue. Uh, we need to do a lot more social distancing, as you noted, but the heart and soul of us being able to understand uh, what this virus is doing and who it's infecting is that we retain some ability to continue to do that case finding and that contact tracing investigation. The issue that we're having is that there's a lag time now because of the testing issue. So rather than wait until there's a positive test, we have to ask people if you in fact have been tested, you have to assume you're positive now and immediate, immediately isolate. Our orders that we uh, reissue uh, a blanket order later this week will in fact make that um, the law that people are gonna need to, if they're presumed to be positive or if they are tested positive, uh, they need to isolate uh, and they need to notify their contacts. That's not because we're not gonna be behind them trying to help them do a good job, but it's because there's now a lag that could be as many as four days before people are notified about their test results. I'm training an additional 150 people at the Public Health Department to help with the investigations so that even when we have hundreds and hundreds of cases every day, we're still gonna make our very best effort to get to people, give them really good information, and just like you said, make sure that people understand what the rules are. I often think that for some people, um, they're not necessarily doing what we're asking, but it's because they're not really clear about what we're asking. And so we have an obligation to make sure people understand and understand well what these isolation and quarantine orders really mean. But we're gonna continue to do that and we're gonna continue to ask that people comply. I do wanna note that these are legally enforceable so people who are violating isolation and quarantine orders, uh, there, there can be a legal remedy. We've had almost no cases uh, where we've had to use that. Most people understand the seriousness of uh, this disease uh, and the implications for spreading it as with other infectious diseases and uh, they comply with these orders. Um, your second question was about you know, people just not taking seriously the social distancing measures and, uh, and you've heard- well, my, question, my second question was about restaurants that are so open for takeout and, and delivery. How, what, what You're listening to the latest Los Angeles County update here on KFI. KFI a and K-O-S-T H-D-2 Los Angeles. Society. Well, you know that all restaurants here in the county are inspected by our health inspectors. And that's whether you're doing takeout or in dining. Our health inspectors are out and about. They're doing their routine inspections. They're also responding to complaints as they always do. Those routine inspections are, you know, also those are not previously scheduled inspections. So we show up whenever we show up. Uh, there's uh, everybody who's licensed, and uh, again, we, you're shut down if you're not, but all licensed restaurants know that they get inspected. They know what the rules are. Our inspectors are still out and about, and uh, you know we, that's our job. Uh, whether it's now takeout or it's in dining uh, services, all restaurants are subject to comply with, uh, with the health, with the health uh, regulations around 
how they organize uh, the preparing of food and how they go about serving food. So there are very strict regulations in place. And uh, my sense is that we'll be enforcing that. So next question. Thank you. Okay, next question. Thank you. Uh, Next we will go to the line of Mike uh, Kessler representing KPCC LA. Your line is open. Hello. Hi. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Hi, Mike Kessler with KPCC here. I'm trying to get a better understanding of the stockpile, which you mentioned yesterday. I'm trying to get a sense of what, what exactly is this stockpile? Uh, what's in it? Uh, how is it getting distributed? How is it getting prioritized? Is there somebody uh, at the health department representing the county who's a point person who is assessing the needs of various hospitals uh, and determining which hospitals get this uh, various PPEs? The reason I'm asking is because a number of doctors I'm talking to at hospitals around the region have been expressing concern that they don't know really what's going on with the stockpiles and they're watching their um, they're watching their PPE start to dwindle and that they're keeping everything under lock and key and being very uh, diligent about who they will and will not give those PPEs to. So I'm hoping that you can clarify for me and for other people uh, in the community uh, what this stockpile is, uh, how it's being distributed, how it's getting prioritized, and, um, and, and how we can learn more about it. Um, Secondly, on a similar note, you mentioned earlier that um, the number for ICU beds and ventilators weren't available, and I'm wondering if those will be made available on a regular basis later. So on the second part regarding the ICU beds and the ventilators, uh, Dr. Galley, on a day-to-day basis, is updating and tracking throughout the entire county. So the short answer to that is yes, we'll be able to get that answer to you as it relates to the ICU beds. And on the ventilator side, um, I'm sure that she has an idea in terms of the numbers, um, but we'll confirm that as well. On the first part, I'm going to let Dr. Ferrer answer that. I mean, Dr. Galley and uh, and EMS uh, for the county are, in fact, and have been for a very long time sort of the regional coordinators of all requests uh, for PPE and other, you know, necessities uh, that hospitals and healthcare providers need uh, to make sure that they can operate, particularly during times of emergencies. They're also the ones that put in a county order for uh, PPE to the stockpile. And, uh, and I know that they've, you know, asked for millions of face masks um, that, and, and for uh, N95s and that those orders are being processed. But again, uh, the best people to talk to about that are, uh, are, Chris, are Dr. Galley and her team, and uh, they can give you all the details, and we can make sure you connect with them if you're looking for the details of what orders have gone in. I I, I don't have that information about exactly what's been ordered. I just know that we're very blessed in this region to have this regional approach and this uh, sort of massive effort of coordination that goes across all of the hospitals. Thank you. Well, next question. Next, we're gonna go to the line of Steve Gregory with KFI, KFI Radio. Please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, hi, Barbara. Good afternoon. Um, you know, in kind of this mission of mine to clear up some misunderstandings and misinformation, uh, a, a lot of people are making um, a big thing about symptoms. Um, and I know you've talked about symptoms before, but can you please clarify the difference between uh, mild symptoms and more severe symptoms and clear up this thing about, you know, when people have a loss of smell and taste, that means they have COVID-19. Um, also, with respect to ventilators, uh, I suspect that that's only when a patient gets in the most severe state of the illness. Um, 
what on average is the the length that after someone goes on a ventilator or someone is diagnosed in severe cases that that person passes away? Do you have sort of a timeline there? Um, and also, with respect to inmates, have you uh, inspected the jails of L.A. County, and um, how many inmates do you suspect will be released? Thank you. Um, so maybe I'll do the last one because I, I can't answer it. Um, the, the jails are inspected, and uh, in fact, uh, they, the sheriff also has a plan around releasing uh, inmates, and you know, I think he'd be the best person to speak of that. I do know that correctional health, again, under the auspices of the Department of Health Services, um, provides services for people who are in our jails, medical services for people who are in our jails. And I know they could, you know, sort of give you all of the information uh, around their planning uh, for perhaps having an outbreak in the, in the jails. I mean, we, we have had other outbreaks in the jails, and I want to say it's an excellent team. Uh, it takes a lot of cooperation between the sheriff, deputies, and correctional health to manage an outbreak, but all those systems are in place. Um, but I think those questions are best ad answered uh, by the sheriff. Um, the question, again, on, you know, sort of ventilators and, you know, how serious is it once somebody is on a ventilator and what's the recovery look like, um, you know, that, that data varies. Um, and, again, you know, we're just starting to look at, at data here in, in L.A. County uh, we've had only a small number of people on ventilators. You're right that it's a very it's very serious. You're you're absolutely having a lot of problems breathing uh, when you're uh, when you're being, when you're using a ventilator when you have to use a ventilator in the hospital. Uh, but it varies on sort of how long people take to recover. I do want to remind people that one unfortunate fact about this virus is there's a lot of variability in sort of how the illness presents itself. Some people are getting very sick very quickly, and uh, they're being hospitalized immediately and being diagnosed because they're entering the hospital fairly sick, and they've gone from feeling pretty fine to feeling very sick very quickly. Other people are feeling like they have a really bad cold or, as you said, mild illness, which I'll come back and explain. Uh, and that goes on for a few days, and then they start feeling really, really bad and, again, end up uh, needing to be hospitalized. So, uh, so serious illness is, is really when you're having a lot of trouble breathing, when your fever is spiking. So you had a low-grade fever, and all of a sudden it starts shooting up. When you can't hold anything down, so uh, you're either vomiting a lot or um, you're unable to, you know, your throat's hurting so much, you're not swallowing, you're not taking anything in. Those are really signs that you need immediate medical attention, and uh, you need to call your health care provider. And if it's really serious and you're having trouble breathing, you need to call 911 and have a transport uh, to an emergency room. Mild illness tends to range from, you know, I've kind of got a cold, I'm stuffed up, I'm coughing a little bit, uh, I'm uncomfortable, I have a bad headache, I have a low-grade fever, it's about 100. Um, to people who actually, you know, would consider mild illness, yeah, you know, I'm exhausted, I need to stay in bed, I have a lot of aches and pains. Uh, for some people, they're experiencing abdom abdominal uh, uh, symptoms as well. So, you know, we don't want to rule that out. It's really kind of mimics uh, sort of a, a mild flu. Um, but you know your body best. And uh, most of us have all experienced what we would consider to be mild illness. And most of us have also had bouts where we felt really, really sick and we knew it was time to get a doctor. So trust yourselves. Uh, if you, in fact, don't usually run any fever at all and now you're running 102, 
that for you is a significant fever and would require that you call your medical care provider and check in. If you have any underlying health conditions, you know, you're pregnant. I'm sorry, what about the, the smell and, I'm sorry, before I forget, okay. the smell and taste issue, a lot of people are making a big deal about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the science is on that. So again, you know, I would say if you're really concerned, always talk to your provider. Um, this, the smell and taste is not the defining characteristic at this point of COVID-19. But again, if you're concerned, uh, my advice is always, you know, talk to your healthcare provider. And if you don't have a healthcare provider, call 211 so they can connect you to one. But thanks for your thanks, question. Barbara. Uh, we're gonna, we have time for one more question. Okay. Our final question then today will come from the line of uh, Haley Manguia. Uh, representing the LA Daily News. Your line is open. Hi, yeah, I actually have um, two questions. Uh, so first of all, um, I wanted to know if you could provide an update on the arrival of the Navy ship Mercy and what the logistics of that will look like when it arrives for transferring stations. Um, and second, uh, can you provide any more details on the four new deaths in terms of city, age, um, underlying health conditions? So on the USS Mercy, it is on its way here, and we're thinking either the end of this week um, or the beginning of next week, we're getting a confirmation, but it is on its way as we speak. And then I'll let Dr. Ferrer talk about the second, and we'll, we will notify um, everyone when we know it's going to be arriving. Dr. Ferrer? Okay, sorry. And just quickly, um, though, before the second question, will LA County be in charge of um, transferring patients or coordinating that, or what agency will be in charge? Well, Dr. Galley is going to be coordinating. I mean, as I said earlier, she's each and every day following the census in our hospitals, especially the ICU. And the USS Mercy is not going to be used for COVID. It's going to be used for patients um, that need to be moved out of the hospital in order to make room. So we're going to be, I mean, Dr. Galley will be coordinating probably through um, through our EOC to make sure that that runs smoothly. But the ship is being operated by um, the Navy. Um, there will be no county employees on that. It's all uh, equipped and has all the staff on the ship as it arrives. And here's Dr. Ferrer. Okay. Yeah, um, we'll be we'll be including more information on the the deaths um, in our press release. We're just still finalizing it, but we do know, um, unfortunately, the young person who died was a person uh, from Lancaster. Uh, and we're still confirming uh, the data on the, the two other deaths that happened outside of, uh, not in Long Beach. I mean, one person obviously was a Long Beach resident that we reported today. That was the case that Long Beach reported yesterday. And we'll be trying to uh, complete investigations on the other two cases. But that's the information we have now. I do know that one of the three people that died, we have confirmed, was elderly uh, and had underlying health conditions. We'll get that out in the press release, which should go out shortly. And okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I know we're going to now turn to Spanish, uh, to remarks in Spanish. And I believe that uh, we've got uh, Jorge here from DMA. Oh, there we've been listening to Dr. Barbara Ferrer and others from L.A. County give the latest updates on uh, coronavirus here in the county. Four more deaths. That brings the total to 11 in L.A. County, and the news today is that one of those new deaths is somebody under the age of 18. This is important, and I'm, I feel like there's still some, uh, some letdown in the information. The information of those 11 deaths, I think, is important. I know there are HIPAA laws. I know there are privacy issues, and they can't get too I, 
uh, too specific in the identities of the people who were involved. But in terms of getting people to uh, have the right amount of concern in their heads, it's, it behooves them to tell us what's going on with these people. The 11 deaths that we know of, uh, I think everyone has pretty much been, uh, if, if they haven't been over the age of 65, which is already considered uh, an at-risk group, they've had underlying health conditions. Right. And even this person that she referred to today, under the age of 18, is a terrifying prospect. But did that person have any under, yeah, uh, that's really underlying conditions? Yeah, that's really important information. And I'm surprised that they don't feel that that's important. Right. Or if it's important that they, would, that they wouldn't say, we would tell you more information about this, but we simply don't know, which I think would be ridiculous. I would be hard to believe. Or the second thing, which is uh, we know, but we can't tell you because it would be too specific and you would identify who this person was. We're in a position now, we're in a place where that type of information goes a long way to... Call, either calming panic, yeah. making sure that people don't overreact to this, or giving them the right amount of information so that they can be appropriately afraid of what they exactly. need to be afraid of. Exactly. You know, it, you shouldn't be able to make that call for us. Also, the shutting down of the gun stores and refusing to answer questions about that. The sheriff uh, conspicuously not there. Curious to know if that's going to be a challengeable um a, a court case. I mean, I would imagine that that this is not a this is not a pot shop that we're talking about. It's not there. there it's a debatable thing whether uh, cannabis dispensary is going to be. It could be protected a constitutional by the thing. Yeah. That's what I mean. Right. So it's. I mean, it's clearly written there, and I would hope that there would be some sort of legal guidance on that. All right, we come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the Dow. Uh, in fact, up almost almost eleven and a half percent, the largest one day gain. And I think it was the largest percentage gain since 1933, which was, oh, I'm sorry, middle of the Great Depression. Uh, so humongous day on Wall Street as we hold out hope that there's going to be some deal in the Senate. We'll come back. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Tuesday. That means at the bottom of the hour. Tasty Tuesday. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, Neil Savage is going to join us. We're going to talk about a couple of things, uh, including how you can support restaurants. Uh, the Takeout Tuesday is one of the things we'll be talking about. He's also got a website that you can search and find. We had an entire commercial break. You couldn't take a disinfecting wipe at that time? And I then... just felt like... What happened? I don't know. Did I spit or something? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, just out of an abundance of caution. I see. Just at any point, we at have any time. <laughs> 662 total cases in L.A. County. 11 people have been killed. I've got some good news. Uh, wait, before you get to that. Wait, go ahead. Okay, good news. The Chargers have oh, kicked geez. the <laughs> S out of the Rams when it comes to rebranding. And new uniforms, new logo... All of it. Really? Yes. They're going with that powder blue, sunshine yellow, and they have changed the bolt a little bit. It's kind of fun to see the differences. Does it look better than the goofy it Rams looks, horn? Oh, it looks so much cleaner. It's so nice. They couldn't have waited a week? They've got new font. 
Why would they want to wait a week? Well, I just, I mean, let people build up their anger towards the Rams for that logo. Well, I think this is just, obviously, people are still talking about the Rams and their complete failure to uh, <laughs> to come up with something that says 2020. Wow. It's like we're back in the 80s with that thing. Yeah. It's hideous. It looked like an Atari uh, symbol yeah, or exactly. something. Uh, so Wall Street today did very, very well. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 2,100 points, the largest point gain ever, and the largest percentage gain since the 1930s. We saw an 11.3% gain. S&P 500 was up 10%. NASDAQ was up uh, 8%. And oil has been rebounding a bit, up 3%. But still, oil is at uh, $24.09 a gallon. Now, all of this has been hinging on whether or not the Senate is going to get some sort of an economic rescue plan done. And Chuck Schumer, you mentioned earlier it sounded like they were on the five-yard line. Chuck Schumer, a few minutes ago on the floor of the Senate, said it looks like they're on the two-yard line. Five days that they have been spending on this, these frenetic talks to try to get to some $2 trillion emergency uh, emergency stimulus package. And they want to get this done. Now they're saying within hours so that they could vote and get this thing on the president's desk as soon as possible. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, meanwhile, on the other end of the Capitol, was projecting confidence that this deal could be clinched today. She's been working from Washington. The vast majority of the House is back in their districts for recess. She is hoping she can get unanimous consent on the bill. That would not only allow it to pass pretty quickly— it would keep lawmakers away from Capitol Hill. You know, what would help is if she took out some of the pork that she put in there, like the $35 million this, to the John F. Kennedy Center for the Arts. This, what are the, you doing? These things, th- those types of things need to be front and center when it comes to getting these people kicked out of Congress for, forever. I mean, the types of things that these people put in there in a situation like this, where we're talking about $2 trillion to keep our economy from crumbling in on itself and from us to, to lose stature in the world, and they're concerned about corporate boards and their diversity hires. It's frustrating. Anyway, so that's going on right now. We'll keep an eye on that. So just a quick thing also to, um, to go back to what Dr. Ferrer was talking about, and it was something that we referred to earlier today in the show. There was a study that was released from CDC that suggested that the coronavirus was lived up to 17 days on some of the hard surfaces in the Diamond Princess cruise ship. And I looked it up and I found some more information about it. She also talked about it. She was asked about it. And her response was, yes, it may appear that the coronavirus can survive for up to 17 days on some of these hard surfaces, but that does not appear to be the main way that this thing is transmitted between people. It's not that you're licking one countertop and then a stranger is coming by and licking that same countertop, and you get coronavirus. In fact, the report that was put out by the CDC said, and I'm going to read here, it was identified on a variety of surfaces in cabins, both symptomatic and asymptomatic infected passengers, up to 17 days after those cabins were vacated on the Diamond Princess, but before they had disinfected anything. That was from the National Institute of Infectious Diseases from a Japanese guy. Here's the key. Those data cannot be used to determine whether the transmission occurred from those contaminated surfaces. Although they're saying it's worth studying, they're not saying that this is just 17 random days and that we have to push all of our quarantine, uh, uh, quarantine orders out another few days. 
The other thing that she said, and she repeated a couple of times, was if you are tested for coronavirus, if you are tested, you have to assume that you're positive. And when you're tested, you should immediately go into that quarantine until you know whether that's, or not you are positive that's or negative. common sense to me. It is, but she said that a lot of people are not paying attention to that, which is frustrating. Because you, not only do you assume you're positive... You tell the people that you are closest to that you're positive or that, that you are in the process of getting tested so that they can also quarantine, so that they can also try to stop the spread of this. All right. Well, coming up next, we will have Neil Saavedra, our Fork reporter, on to join us. One of the important tips he is going to share is how to work from home without eating all of the things. It's a struggle. I mean, I'm, str- I'm still coming to work, but that has, <laughs> but that but hasn't stopped me. That's the only thing from keeping you from eating between 10 and 2. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't stopped me. I, there's something about going to the refrigerator 75 times that's uh, kind of calming, and, and it helps you procrastinate, too. I did, have, I did have ruffles yesterday. You did? Which, I, first of all, you I didn't... You don't have chips. I didn't even realize we had them in the house. Yeah. They were, like, in the back of the pantry. Yeah. And I said, oh, that's... Got to get some of those in my belly. For some reason... My lizard brain tells me <laughs> ruffles have ridges. My, that's funny. There might be something to that. My husband stopped at the market uh, two days in a row to buy a bag of chips that he then consumed the entire bag of that day. Nothing wrong I'm not with judging. That. I'm just saying oh, potato chips. Oh, but you chips. remember it, don't you? I do. Because oh, okay. I was like, when's the last time he stopped at the market for a bag of potato chips and then downed those things? Were you mad he didn't share? No. No. Got it. Neil Savedra is going to join us when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Every day you're saying the words that I want you to say. There's a pain in my heart and it won't go away. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Humongous day on Wall Street today. There's a lot of anticipation about the Senate coming to an agreement on a $2 trillion economic recovery plan. And as a result, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 2,100 points, up more than 11%. Not only the largest point gain ever in the history of the stock market, but the largest percentage gain since 1933. Hey, Nick. Yeah, Shannon? Why don't you starve in a... <laughs> So mean. Why don't you starve in a desert? I don't know why. It sounds like I'm telling you to do that. What? Anyway, okay. Uh, why don't you starve in a desert? I don't know why. Because of all the sand which is there. Get it? <laughs> she goes, starve in the desert. <laughs> and take those clean feet with you, would you? <laughs> Neil Savedra, host of the Fork Report, here Saturdays right here on KFI, is joining us to take our minds off of a little bit of uh, all of the stuff that's going on in the world. Neil, what's going on? Oh, man. Well, today uh, is the Great American Takeout, which is huge. Um, so I'm just hoping that people, you know, really find that opportunity to support these small businesses, these little restaurants. And uh, also keep in mind that there are chains out there that are franchised. I know a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, you know, stay away from the big chains and help the little people. But I will tell you, everyone that works in those restaurants, whether they're chains or otherwise, are, are the same. They're servers, they're dishwashers, they're uh, back of the line, 
or uh, back of the house line cooks and things like that, they're all out of work regardless of where they work, whether it's a chain or not. So think about all these places and take care of them. You've mentioned that the uh, the website that you gave us that you've been involved with is called timefortakeout.com, and it's a place where, like a clearinghouse of different, um, a, a list of restaurants and places like that where you can get takeout, you can sometimes get delivery, but just an important thing to remember is is these places, to your point, these places employ a lot of people, and a lot of them, just out of the goodness of their heart, the owners, the managers of these places have done everything they can to make sure that they stay open, that they're not going to let go of people, and they're going to go out of their way to try to make sure that everybody is taken care of. The likelihood of the of the places that have closed their doors because they don't have an option for takeout or it just doesn't play well with the food they eat, um, the likelihood of them reopening is slim if this continues to go on without any government help. Um, Timefortakeout.com uh, is a great place to start for a couple of reasons. Pam Waite uh, with the Orange County Restaurant Association, she started this um, uh, with uh, Trisha Cook there. They're, they're just very uh, tied in um, with local restaurants. They invited me to be a part of it. I'm thrilled. A couple of reasons why it should be used. You as a uh, just a person, a consumer, can go there, look at your area, Long Beach, Orange County, L.A., wherever you are, and find the discounts that are being given, whether they do curbside service, which is good because even though we love those delivery services, there are, uh, uh, you know, upcharges and things like that. And if you, you know, go pick it up yourself, it goes directly to the restaurant, which is a great thing. But also there's resources on there for people who work in restaurants. Give your money to um, the restaurant, it's going to go directly. Also, if you work for the restaurant, go ahead and go to the, the website, timefortakeout.com as well. And there's resources about how you can be helped too, uh, charities and things like that uh, for people who are out of work right now. All right, Neil, stick around. We're going to get a we're going to get a better line for you real quick. But when we come back, we'll talk more about how it is we make sure yeah. that we don't eat all of the bags of chips Let's at a time when we're stuck in our homes. Not all gain the Corona of 19. <laughs> Lord. All right, Gary and Shannon will continue. Neil Savage, host of The Fork Report, has joined us. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, New York Times, could you take down your peg walls? It's driving me crazy. Just in general? Well, yeah. I mean, when you're doing coronavirus live oh, updates. I'm surprised they haven't yet. Me I know too. that a lot of papers have done that, but maybe they're looking to make money off of death and dismemberment. I don't think there's a lot of dismemberment. I shouldn't have said that. Wow. Um, when uh, Neil Savedra joins us, a uh, host of the Fork Report on Saturdays right here on KFI, we get to talk about food. And this being a time, I mean, we were mentioning, of course, you can you can get some great restaurants, uh, help out some great restaurants. Timefortakeout.com is a way to find those places around you that are that are uh, going to serve you healthy food. But Neil, let's be serious. Sometimes a deep fried Snickers bar yes. sounds sounds exactly mm. the it's exactly what the doctor <laughs> ordered. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, since I can't jump in during the breaks with you guys, um, I would just like to say out of the back of a moving car, uh, moving van on the way to a punk rock show. 
You guys know what you were talking oh. about. Anyways. Oh, um, I didn't well, know <laughs> I didn't know you could hear us. Oh, man, I'm glad we didn't say anything like, Yes, I can. Oh, Neil sucks or something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, because we say that all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. I was saying this sucks. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, I, I, another thing is I want to <laughs> note that nobody is making money off of uh, uh, timefortakeout.com. Uh, no one is. Ooh, it's good. all free. Everything's free. No one's making money off it. Okay? Just want to make sure people understand that. Um, you know what? We've joked about the uh, the freshman 15 and then the uh, uh, corona 19 or, or the COVID-19. Um, we like to snack. We like to eat. This is a time where people are working from home. Um work on those veggies and proteins man mm-hmm. the proteins are going to keep you stay away from chips and crackers oh, as much whoa, as you whoa, can whoa. Let's, hold those on a ain't nothing wrong with a few chips every once in a while i ate a sleeve and a half of uh of crackers no. <laughs> the other day that's the problem right there <laughs> that's the oh and i'd like to start a new hashtag on that uh point there shannon yeah. hashtag tcc What's that? This can't continue. <laughs> I know. That means. No, he said that to this me can't again continue. this week. Oh. Something to the effect of that. Those weren't the words, but it was like, yeah. you know, it's almost like I, I was saying like, oh, God, I'm eating so much. And he doesn't say anything. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> it's not like, oh, no, you, you're fine. You're, you no. look great. There's none of that. It's like it, we've got radio silence there. So that's how I know this can't continue. No, he's. He's waiting for he's waiting for the big the big shake. He's waiting for the big shake when you get into the bed, and then he's gonna go. Okay, nah, that's not okay. We're we're done now. <laughs> so you said, yeah, yeah, take care of yourself. Yeah, it's nice knowing. We had a good run. We had a good run. Uh, so, but you said proteins. Stay the, to keep proteins in mind, right? Proteins. Um, Here's the thing. Think about this. You can. Uh, I love what Shannon just said. She said she went through a whole sleeve of something. We've all done that. You start even saltines or something. You just plow through a mm. sleeve of that stuff or Ritz crackers. You don't think about it. Imagine trying to plow through multiple multiple steaks. That's why those restaurants have those you know gargantuan steak uh, contests where they're like if you can finish the gut buster or the widowmaker, then you get your name on the wall. Well, that's because you can't do that with protein. Um, it, you, it, it fills you up too much. So, but you can do it with a bag of chips. You can go through a dozen bag of, bags of chips and you'd be fine. So um, I've been trying to start out because I'm trying to focus on, on staying um, in the losing weight category myself. So starting with a banana and some espresso in, in the morning, if I want snacks, I, I try and have protein and maybe leave out the, the bread for now. Um, because I know I'm home all the time. And then uh, if I want things like, uh, you know, they have cheese sticks or, or um, string cheese, things like that, applesauce, um, uh, jello. These are good things that are kind of make you feel like you're snacky, snacky, but they're not. They're super low fat. And um, you'll kind of, you know, Shannon, when you stop smoking, the bigger battle is not even the nicotine. It's the physical habit of yes. picking that thing up and doing that so this is kind of we're creating bad physical habits about going to the refrigerator or the cabinets every 10 seconds because we're not taking normal breaks we're not going to lunch we're not doing these things so break down your day into the three major parts your breakfast lunch and dinner and still keep them and then do your snacking uh on 
you know, hot vegetables. If you're going to do carrots, one of the best ways to cook carrots quickly is in the microwave. No. Put them in a bowl. What? Put your butter, a little bit of, oh, I'm telling you. Can we go put back to the bowl. Snickers bar? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hash, hashtag TCC. <laughs> It's going to catch on. It's going to catch on, sister. Hi, this is Gary the Standing Show, and we're really happy to be here. Where's the butter? Oh, man. Oh, I'm going I'm to send you that picture that I did of uh, Fat Shannon. And, <laughs> yeah, please uh, send that to me every hour on the hour. <laughs> we're all a we're all a paycheck away from being out of work, and we're all a Snickers bar away from being Fat Shannon. Oh, <laughs> hey, so everybody. We got, I'm happy to be here, Gary. This is going to be so <laughs> not funny when it happens. <laughs> well, to you. Right. Yeah, to us behind your back, it'll be hilarious. Right. And I can. I, and by the way, I know people are going to go, oh, stop body shaming. Hey, I'm a fat guy and I'm Mexican. I can make jokes about Mexicans. I can make jokes about fat people. Sorry. It's it's what I can do. You just showed you your know? card. Gary oh, and I'm sorry. I'm supposed Gary... to be here, sir. <laughs> yeah, Gary and Shannon can only make fun of skinny white people. Whites are the worst. So I, I hate the whites. <laughs> See? Feels good. It does. <laughs> How do you even stay warm in the middle of the night? You're so thin. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. What's up, tapeworm? Yeah. Go get him. Uh, 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 are you keeping your wits about you? Yes, I will tell you this, but I'm not going to give any specifics. But uh, uh, a direct family member, not my wife and not my son, a direct family member is now in the hospital with COVID-19. Oh, wow. Uh, And uh, like me, this family member is immune compromised because they, too, had a kidney transplant. So uh, I'm telling you, in the next... uh, uh, the next few days into the next week or so, this is going to be hitting close to a lot of us. Um, and I actually uh, have, I heard, you know, Suits say this too, that he suspects that he and his daughter had it early. And I ha- mm-hmm. I suspect that it went through my house already um, near the end of the year. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned so, that. I was, I was asking my wife about this today because we're having this discussion this morning of how, because I've heard of anecdotal evidence, and Suits was one of the guys that I, I talked about today in this conversation who may have had this thing already without knowing it, and obviously we didn't know to test for it or anything. Um, how, I wonder how many people already have that, you know, have already had it and have gone through I mean, it's gone. Well, think of this. I bet you it's a lot more. Uh, I think it's way more than we think. Hey, Neil, uh, thank you. We got to let you go. We've got uh, County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. Oh, yes, of course. Thanks, guys. uh, For for an update. Thanks, Neil. Dr. Ferrer, thanks for taking time for us today. Give me one second. I pushed the wrong button. Let me try it again. How about that? Uh, There you are. Okay, I'm here. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, All right, so the update today, unfortunately, was that we had a couple of deaths. Uh, Can you tell us anything? Now, I know that there are some privacy laws involved, but is there anything that you can tell us about the the person under the age of 18 who died? I mean, what we know is that the person, uh, you know, died... who died uh, was a, you, a young person uh, who lived in Lancaster. Our prayers and our hearts are breaking along with their family and their friends. It's a terrible loss. Um, Can you, you know, tell us if there were any underlying health concerns? 
Uh, we're still doing an investigation. Obviously, uh, when anybody passes, that family needs time uh, to grieve and to, um, you know, really be together, and we'll wait until they're ready to be able to talk to us more. Um, but at, the, at this point, you know, we're, uh, we're joining with them in prayer uh, through these difficult days ahead. And as we get more information, we'll be sure to keep people uh, informed about anything that's relevant. And, and you said it best, which is we, we need to respect the privacy of, uh, of all of the people uh, who are, uh, you know, really at this point either becoming ill and testing positive for COVID-19 and, uh, and certainly for the families of the loved ones who have passed. So uh, we do everything we can to, you know, understand uh, that people are very concerned and want good information while respecting the privacy rights. Of, uh, uh, clearly, L.A. County Public Health is one of the larger organizations in the, in the state, if not the country. Have you been able to work closely with surrounding counties and cities uh, in terms of coordinating the effort, or is it just kind of... Everybody's got so much on the table that you haven't worried about coordination yet. Well, we, you know, the good, the, the good news is uh, we're well co- we were well coordinated before this started, so we can maintain um, the organizational affiliations we have, um, particularly our health officers, you know, really do talk frequently during the week. And, and as you said, you know, really compare notes, try to be strategic about uh, moving as much as possible forward in similar ways. But all of our counties are different, um, and all of our counties, if you look, are in different places in terms of the number of new cases that they're experiencing on a regular basis. What I do appreciate is that we learn from each other. So people are able, like just like we learn from things that happened in Europe and things that are happening in New York City, and that gets shared, uh, we learn from you know, other counties. We learn from you know, our counties up north. Uh, as well, you know, what were some of the strategies they tried? Where were some of the stumbling blocks? You know, what advice do we have for each other? You know, mostly right now what we're all really focused on is making sure that we can protect our health care system. Everybody in public health knows that uh, that's of paramount importance, uh, that we make sure that our health care system Along, along those lines, when it comes to coordinating with the other counties and the other health agencies, whether it's cities or counties or even the state, is there a sort of um, uh, clearinghouse, I guess, for the information? When we see large fires, for example, there's a lot of shared responsibility for the different agencies under one command. Does something like that exist for public health? You know, it doesn't. I mean, you know, the, the mutual aid concept is there in theory. Uh, but I will say this is a good example where every single county is faced with the very same issues and our ability to help each other is more in what you just said, information sharing. So the State Department of Public Health does an excellent job really uh, putting out the guidance and the resources for the rest of us. Uh, and then we make our own modifications, what we particularly might need to focus on in a county. But, but they do serve as that clearinghouse function for us. And they also bring us together. You know, there's pretty much a daily call with some group or another uh, and the state agencies and, and the Centers for Disease Control still does, like, calls three days a week with us. So I do want to say it's a very well-coordinated system for information sharing. What I think you might think of as a little bit different is that the mutual aid agreements, while we all would give each other mutual aid, that's what's really been unique about this situation is that we all have cases 
and we all are uh, really doing our very best to do the contact tracing, the case identification, investigations of outbreaks, and really, uh, you know, as everyone says, slow down the spread. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No, thank you. And again, I really appreciate how well you're covering these issues. I, I know your listeners uh, feel very well informed uh, because of all the effort you're making. So thanks a lot. Dr. Barbara Ferrer there from L.A. County Public Health. And again, you can follow all of their press releases uh, on Twitter at L.A. Public Health, but also you can find it online, publichealth.lacounty.gov. We will see you tomorrow. John and Ken show coming up next. Well, stay dry, everybody. Blessings. And so we come to the end of another fun-filled episode of... Gary and Shannon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. This summer, we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new Nissan. We invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views, premium seats in all rows, and connected tech, while avoiding baggage fees, layovers, and neck pillows. So fasten your seatbelts and enjoy nonstop routes to summer, because the best way to travel this season is in a new Nissan. And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to 3500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, 3500 on 2020 Rogue consists of 3000 cash back and 500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 76 2020